This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. What is crackalacking, Hardwood Knox listeners? I am Dan Favalli, coming at you this time without my co-host, Adam Brommel. We are continuing on with our loaded podcast, and I will say this one is mega loaded, so I won't waste any time. We're first speaking with Salman Ali. He covers the Houston Rockets for ESPN 97.5 and also hosts the Red Nation Hoops podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Salman Ali NBA. That's at S-A-L-M-A-N-L-A-L-I-N-B-A. Um, after we speak with him, we are going to talk with Tara Bowen Biggs about the Portland Trailblazers. She is a co-host of the We Have a Take and Step Back Sisters podcast. Follow her on Twitter at TCBBIGGS. Then after that, we have a dual podcast with co-hosts, both of them from the Timeline Pod, which is also hosted by Blue Wire. We have Mike Vigil, follow him on Twitter at Protected Pick, spelled exactly as it sounds, and Sam Cooper at S-C-O-O-P-E-R-H-O-O-P-S. We're talking all things Phoenix Suns leading into the regular season. As always, we are putting out a ton of content, this pod in total, while there will be timestamps, and I encourage you to jump around. Uh, it's running over four hours long. That's all I could say. But we're getting to James Harden trades with Salman Ali. We're covering the Suns with Sam and Mike, and then we're talking all things Blazers with with Tara. This is going to be a fun one. Please subscribe to us. Download all of our episodes. That's why we're putting out so much content wherever you're getting your podcast. It helps us. Whether or not you're using iTunes, though, please head over there, search Hardwood Knox, throw us a five-star rating, write a review, even if it's constructive criticism. We also appreciate that. I will not delay you any further, though. We are going to once again begin Salman Ali to propose many, many James Harden trades. Then it's on to Tara Bowen Biggs. We will talk all things Blazers. And after that, with Sam Cooper and Mike Vigil, we're talking everything and anything Phoenix Suns. Solomon, welcome back to the Hardwood Knox podcast. I think it's your third or fourth appearance here of the offseason. And I think I've been on your podcast two or, or three times. I don't know why. It's not like there's been anything to talk about with, with the Rockets. But um, how They're are just you? just this boring, like, just like like box of vanilla ice cream like team like nothing ever happens they're it's basically like, the spurs like just nothing fun right, ever happens there right. yeah they don't make trades they don't they don't go after free agents they, they they nothing no drama happens within their organization they're just boring a very stable organization too. um how are you doing tonight since we last spoke which i think was less than 24 hours ago as of this moment um 
I guess I'm doing all right. It's just, there's just a lot to, to keep your eyes on, right, with this team. Like, whenever you cover a team like this, like, with just so many instability. Like, like, we started, I mean, I guess we can talk about uh, the prior podcast. Like, we, we were talking about for the Rockets, like, who they would sign for the taxpayer MLE. Right? Right. Like, that, like that, that's the kind of stuff we were talking about. Or would Rockets. they even use it? Yeah. Right. And they start the offseason. Mike D'Antoni goes down. Terrell Morey goes down. Russell Westbrook goes down, and now James Harden might go down. Like that—that's that, how far we've come uh, this offseason. And look, James Harden did show up. That so if you you should listen to the Red Nation Hoops podcast. I plugged it in the um, intro that you all just heard. Um, but go check it out. We just recorded one on the John Wall fit with West um, with Harden if he plays um, without Harden. Should they move him? Um, so we broke that all down. We did talk about the James Harden situation a lot as of that moment, though, and that's where we're we will pick this up. He had not reported to the Rockets. And then on Tuesday, he did report to the Rockets, got tested for COVID. So he's in Houston now. We we are we have ascertained that he wasn't in Vegas, or at least I guess maybe he could have jet set again. Who knows at this point? But as of right now, we believe that James Harden is in Houston, still wants out of Houston, but he is in fact in Houston. That's where we're at, right, Thomas? Yeah, he's in Houston. He's taken his first COVID test. Uh, to my knowledge, he's come back negative. But we, you know, who God knows? I mean, he's been out in Las Vegas and Atlanta without a mask. So he needs. I think I believe he needs three negative COVID tests before he's he's able to be with the team, or ten days away from the team. So I'm guessing the Rockets are hoping that he gets three negative tests back to back to back. He's probably going to miss the first preseason game against Chicago. Uh, so the Rockets are hoping to get him back for that second preseason game. And we'll see if he's engaged with the team at that point. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. I was on mute. Um, can you hear me now? Yeah. Can awesome. You? So I, it would be par for the course of this whole situation if he gets two negative tests back, then like, a, then like a positive, and then he tests negative again, but then he like leaves the market to go hang out somewhere, and this whole thing just starts all over again. That would be par yeah. for the course of what's happened so far. I mean, it, like, my question is, like, why hasn't the league said anything? Like, <laughs> this guy was out in, in two different cities. And, well, like, th- I think the protocol was that everybody had to be in camp by tw- the 28th, right? The, their home city by November 28th. And they had to stay there for a week before they started training camp. And they had to have individual workouts and stuff. And he's just skirting by all these rules. Like, n- no one's even giving him a slap on the wrist at all. He's, he's just getting a beating from the media. That's it. No one else has really cared. So the way I read it, and if they had a specific date where, like, you had to be there and not just expected, but the way I read it was that while you were in your home market, you couldn't go to clubs or all these places. And so if Harden's loophole was, well, then I'm just going to go to Atlanta and Vegas because it's outside of the Houston market, and that's how he's, like, flying under the punishment radar, I don't I don't know. Um, maybe the league doesn't want to intervene because it doesn't know what to do because anything it does do is going to be like just add fuel to the fire and maybe make it's this It's going to look very heavy-handed, right? Right. Um, so, but if you want to listen to like the more nuanced breakdown of everything that's happening, go listen to that Red Nation Hoops podcast. We are just here because I came up, as I told you, with 14 James Harden trade packages across 12 teams. And we want to make this clear. Um, Salman's going to shoot them down, say what needs, <laughs> maybe more needs to be added to them. Um, but I personally, and Solomon personally, we don't endorse these. These are just the ones that I came up with. I tried to find teams that I could talk myself into trading for James Harden and giving up like close to what Houston's asking price is. I'm not assuming that they're going to get lowballed and bite the, you know, the, the metaphorical bullet on a James Harden trade. So that's how this was done. 
And I think the best place to start is actually in Philly because it seems like uh, the bar is going to be, can any teams give the Rockets an offer that would beat um, an offer down the line from Philly that includes Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons? To me, because that's why you would wait if you're Houston. I wouldn't want to drag this out. I said on your podcast, um, I thought my gut said he had played his last game for the Rockets. I think that's probably overwhelmingly going to be wrong now, unless this podcast, like our other five this past offseason, gets blown up momentarily. So if you wait, if you're Houston, you wait to see if the Sixers are willing to give up one of those two stars, or if a team can come in and actually beat or at least rival what a package with Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons would be. Do you think that's like a, a fair line of thinking to approach this with? Right. And I think the Sixers want to see what they look like this season with just Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid in space. I think that's been Maury's whole talking point this entire offseason. And it makes sense, right? Like they, they were really good like two years ago when they had a normal functioning roster. And now they're, they're, they're you know, they spent the past two years with like a very crammed paint. Uh, no shooting whatsoever, except right. for JJ Redick a couple years ago. They haven't really had, you know, significant space for these guys to operate. And now they have a normal, like, good fitting roster. And I think they want to see how, what the ceiling is with this team. This is a very important, like, year four for Embiid and Simmons. Like, year four, I think it's always a pivotal year when you're talking about, like, young superstar pairings. I remember year four for Bradley Beal and John Wall being pretty pivotal. And like, we were like wondering whether or not that was going to be year. They thought about whether or not they should go forward with this core, break it up. And I think that's going to be something, you know, the Sixers talk about this season. Like what can the, what can the ceiling be for this Sixers team? Can they get to that high fifties, you know, win threshold or are you really talking about them as a title contender or are they still going to be like, like high forties, low fifties. And if that's the case, you have to probably move for, uh, you you probably have to move forward and try to improve on that core and by flipping one of these guys. And the other reason why you want to wait is while Harden is better than both of them, the separation is, like, I would say Ben Simmons is no worse than the 20th best player in the league right now. I'd probably have him in the top 15. And then Joel Embiid is probably somewhere, like, top 12. If you could count on him being healthy, maybe he's top 8. So, like, you're, the difference between, like, Harden, yes, he's a top 3 player, and there's a huge difference still between that. But, like, you have these guys. They're both... Top 15, top 20 guys. Joel Embiid is only 26 with three guaranteed years left on his contract. No options. Ben Simmons, 24, five years left on his contract. I don't believe he is a player option. So Harden is 31, correct? I think he's 31. He's not 32, is he? Yeah, he's 31. Yeah. So he has two years and a player option left on his deal. And the expectation is he's going to opt out after that, or you're going to need to uh, extend him. So there's a risk involved in getting him, even though he's the better player. Uh, but that also makes, like, let's say, so we're fast forwarding and saying it's not working or it's not working as well as Philly would like. And so they're deciding they're going to trade for James Harden. Uh, if I'm Philly, so I'm going to start here. I would prefer to trade Joel Embiid. He's older. He might be the better player right now. Um, I know Ben Simmons, in theory, needs to be more ball dominant. But, like, Joel Embiid is not the most, like, efficient pick and pop um, option or even role man. So, like, you still need to give him his post-ups or his face-ups. Um, I think Simmons might be better suited to be the role man next to Harden. And so, one, do you agree with that logic? And two, if the Sixers, and the framework I have for each of these deals is Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons and then Mike Scott, like, that makes the money work. But if it's Embiid that's going to Houston, one, is Houston even interested in that, or does it have to be Ben Simmons or Bust? And then the third part of that question is obviously, 
what else needs to be attached to the Embiid Mike Scott framework for Houston to bite? So I've been perusing uh, NBA Twitter just to see what other people think about this kind of trade, right? And I've been seeing this a lot, right? Like, j- like Embiid should be the guy that that gets flipped, and I just, I, I like. Houston would be doing front flips if they can land Embiid. Like, I think the difference between Embiid and Simmons right now, just from what they've seen from them, like, I have confidence that Embiid can someday be the best player on a championship team. Okay. Maybe not now, but later. And I don't have that same confidence from Ben Simmons yet. Like, I think Ben Simmons has a ceiling for a top 15 guy. I don't think ben, like Joel Embiid can be that guy. And I actually believe the fit with uh, with Harden and Embiid is a little cleaner than Simmons and Embiid than, than uh, Simmons and Harden. And it's one of those things where like I think like when you have Embiid, you just have to surround him with floor spacing as much as you possibly can. And I think you know what that team is really missing is they just need a perimeter guard that can score and be a playmaker and be a, you know, be really dynamic on the perimeter. And that's what they hoped Fultz was going to be, right? Like that's, that's the whole theory in drafting Fultz. And I I don't blame them at all for trading for Fultz. I thought that was the right decision at the time. It just blew up in their face. It happens. Right. Yep. And I, I, I think, I think if I were them, like if, if I get another good, you know, season of good health from Embiid, I think I feel pretty confident moving Simmons. I think that's the big the big thing though. I think I think if if you're Philadelphia, like if you get like a you know sixty game season from Embiid, uh, a fifty game season from Embiid, like yeah, maybe you decide we want to keep Simmons. Like screw that. Like we're we're, we're just gonna roll with Harden as our best player and mm-hmm. Simmons as our number two guy, which makes sense. But you know it's 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 a risk because I I think you and I agree like. Embiid's probably the better player, and we both probably view him as being the better player moving forward. See, I think Simmons has a chance to usurp him, but that there's wow. Embiid okay. is better. Just, I mean, you look at what he's able to do on defense. Um, you couple that with his playmaking. Embiid, look, I know the Sixers don't play this way, but uh, he is only ranked better than the 30th percentile in Rollman um, points scored per possession once in his career. So I think there's like issues. Oh, they're not going to run pick and roll at all if they get Harden. I, I think it's going to be like straight up like ISO from both both of those guys. It's going to be pick. It's going to be uh, Harden isolating on the wing and post ups for Embiid. It's going to be a really ugly offense, but I think it can be really damn efficient because both of those guys are really efficient in those roles. See, and I'm trying to look at it as like if you were trying to build out like to do more stuff than just isolation. I like the idea of like. Having Ben Simmons, I feel like he long term could be the better role man. But I get what you're saying. Like Embiid um, averaged 1.1 points per post up possession, which is like actually pretty good offensively in general, not just for post ups. So I I think there's an argument to be made each way. So let's start with Embiid then. Um, if you're the Rockets, aside from Embiid and the filler, which I'm using is Scott, what do you need in this deal to do it? So I think if if you're Philadelphia, you have all the leverage here, right? And so you use that leverage to be like, no, we're not trading you this godfather offer of picks. We're going to give you like a protected first round pick in the next couple of years, not one like four or five years from now. And we're going to give you like a swap the next the following season. We're not going to give you, you know, like four picks and two of those are swaps and they're like four years out. Like we're not doing that. We're like we're not going to give you the Brooklyn off. Sorry. Like we, we're already giving you Simmons. We're already giving you your foundational piece. You guys have to figure out how 
how to fill out the roster around him. You guys have to figure out how to do the team building. That's not that's not on us to do that for you, right? We're like th- this is a pretty fair trade that the, that we're giving you. You're 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 not getting any player better than Simmons on the market. We're gonna we're, we're gonna stand pat here. That's what I would do if I were Philly, and I I think they'd probably get away with that. Well, I think they would too. So oh, you're on Simmons. So you're, if you hit the uh, excuse me, if it's Philly's already traded away, it's twenty. 25 first Oklahoma City in the Al Horford trade. So if it's a 2023 first round pick, let's say top seven protection, and then a 2024 swap plus Simmons and Mike Scott, is Houston doing that? That's enough. That's enough. Because again, like you're already get the, the the foundational piece is there. You have the picks coming in, and you know like they're probably not going to be like that pick is going to convey right. Like if, right. if you're getting James Harden, that pick is going to convey. And and well, so, unless he leaves in free agency. Because that would be the 2023 draft would be the first draft in which you wouldn't have had Harden in the preceding season should he leave. So I think I think you probably do this deal with the idea that Harden's probably going to stay. And yeah, the I mean, fact that that would be the sorry to even interrupt, but that would be no team is making any of the deals that we're about to propose unless they have a feel that James Harden is going to be there for longer than two years. Yeah, and I, I think Philadelphia can confidently say that. And sure. I mean, because um, I mean, this report that came out today that he has added Philadelphia to his preferred destinations list. Um, I'm of the mind that it was probably always on there, like once he saw Daryl Morey going there, but was, he was probably trying to see if he could force the way to Brooklyn first. What happens if it's Embiid then going instead of Simmons? So I think Embiid is better, right? So I, and I think I think you, it's easy to build. I, I mean, for me, like I, I can see a team built around Embiid winning a championship. It's it's just um, you after that, it's on, hard, it's on Houston to play the free agency game. And you know, open up cap space like a couple of years from now, uh, when John Wall's contract expires, uh, and get that second star, right? Or maybe even trade John Wall for an expiring, uh, you know, use your picks that you just got this summer, flip those for an expiring contract, play the free agency game next summer, and try to pair and bead with the star, right? Mm-hmm. And if I'm Houston at that point, I'm asking for less protections on that pick. You know, maybe it's instead of top seven protected, it's top four protected, right? Like you're not. Because you're getting you're getting the the yes it's the better asset but it's not the safer asset like Simmons is the safer asset because he does not have as extensive of an injury history than uh, uh, he does not have as extensive of an injury history as Embiid he has one it's not right. as extensive right? so if if I were Houston I would do 2023 top three protected 2024 swap Embiid and filler like the squad I'm just gonna say Mike Scott maybe there's more in there because Philly wants it gets like, it done yeah right I would do that if I was Philly. Now on the Simmons front, I am not. I'm probably wanting top ten protection on 2023, and I don't know if I'm giving the option of a swap. And if I am, I want lottery protection on that because Simmons is under contract now for five years, and he's so damn young. Like I would even start out like, hey, we're gonna give you. Bar- you want you want Matisse Seibel and Ben Simmons and Mike Scott. Like that's what you're getting. And if it gets to that point, like let's say it's even heavier protected. Um, let's say it's a heavier protected first plus Simmons and then maybe a swap in 2024. Is Houston saying no to that or are they still accepting that? Sorry, can you repeat the swaps and the protections again? So I'm going to say, let's say top 10 protection in 2023, 2024 swap, Ben Simmons and, and Mike Scott. Like if I'm Philly, that would be my top out offer. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Well, Indeed is here to help. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. 
You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of, of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer is valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. So I would probably ask for 2022 if, if it's going to be top 10 protected, right? Like, it, well, like I don't want, if I'm Houston, like, yeah, like you're probably, you're settling with a protected pick. But you just do not want to play, like you don't want it protected far out because then it's like you might not get the pick, right? So, and and I wonder if like the the you know the language on that pick is like oh if it doesn't convey it's gonna the next year will be twenty twenty four and top you know lottery protected or and then the next year after that it's gonna be you know yeah. two second round picks like I, I I guess we can talk about that now like do you think that do you think it goes farther than that? It can't because of their twenty twenty five commitment to Oklahoma City. So like that oh, would be right, the risk on right. Houston's part. So you would need. So you're saying 2022 unprotected and then a 2024 swap is what you would ask for in the Ben Simmons situation? Well, I no, you you ask for, I I think I think you have to settle for protections. Whatever cuz like you're not going to get a pick that's not protected on Houston's front. I just I don't think Philly do, Philly does that. So but, personally, I I mean I guess you could be concerned about um Embiid's injury history and what would harm to alone. I would be willing to if it allowed the Sixers to keep their 2023 pick. Um, and you could do, you know, if, if I could do Joel Embiid or even just Ben Simmons, then an unprotected 2022 pick for James Harden. And then again, plus the salary to make it work. I would actually absolutely do that if I was Philly. And this is, this is Embiid, right? Oh, or, or Simmons. Like if you're telling oh, me you're oh, letting so it convey you're in 20... about Simmons. Okay. So um, it, um, I think because from Philly's standpoint, you know, you're going to have James Harden through the 2021, 2022 season. And so there's yeah. less of a risk of giving up that unprotected pick that year. So th- th- this trade, theoretically, are you proposing this with the idea, with the knowledge we know now, or like this is a season from now when you realize they're not good enough, right? Or that you need to change this core up? I'm viewing everything through this season's lens, like whether it happens okay. tomorrow or, and I guess if it's happening in the middle of the year, Philly's decided they're not good enough. Maybe that gives Houston a little yeah, extra the, the, leverage, the, the, but I don't know how much because like when you look at the contracts and age of these guys, I really do think it benefits Philly no matter what. Yeah, and, and I think I think that that's where I'm at if I'm Houston. Like, if if I'm if I'm not getting the picks that I want, or if I'm not getting the language in the picks that I want, I'm probably waiting a little longer because I think that deal is always going to be there. I really do. I mean, um, I, I I guess it this really depends on whether or not you believe that Simmons and Embiid is a good fitting core that can win a championship together. And I'm still, you know, I don't know. Like, like I I, I think one of those two guys can be you know, a, a core part of a championship team. I think you and I agree on that. Yes. I'm not sure if together, you know, just two non-shooting pieces anymore. Like, I don't think, you, like, that's why the Rockets did microball last year, right? Because they couldn't have Capella and Westbrook on the floor anymore. I think in the modern NBA, you need four shooters on the floor, period, point blank. And I think I think it's very hard to, to build a team if your, two, your two-star players can't shoot. And so I think... If I'm Houston, with that knowledge, I think my offer will get better if I'm waiting. And I think those picks 
or the, I can get the protections I want on those picks and the language I want and the year that I want if I wait a little. Yeah, I think it probably helps them that Philly already traded his 2025 pick because Houston can't trade for an imminent pick with the possibility of it turning into seconds in 2024 just because Houston has uh, Philly has the obligation to OKC. And so that makes it more likely that whatever pick they get is unprotected because Philly needs to make sure that it conveys um, by 2023 because of that commitment to OKC in 2025. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so like overall, like I, I like the framework for this trade. Like, like I think I think we're we're talking about semantics at this point when we're talking. It's a about pick and a swap plus one of those players, basically. Right. Yeah. But like I I think this this uh, the framework of this trade is pretty acceptable acceptable on both ends. I, I think both teams probably do this. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division odds, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. This next team is the least interesting team to me just because Harden has asked to be tra- traded to them. Uh, but I think the trade, as of right now, um, this is just what I'm using to start, is James Harden goes to Brooklyn for Jared Allen, Spencer Dinwiddie, Rodion's Kurutz. Karis LeVert, an unprotected 2023 first-round pick, a 2024 first-round swap, an unprotected 2025 first-round pick, and an unprotected 2026 first. Well, it's a first-round swap, unprotected in 2026. Yeah, so uh, I, I, I'm glad you included these all unprotected because it was all, like, when, when people talked about this trade, right, and, like, I, they made it seem like it, like their Houston was going to do this trade for for Dimwitty and Levert, and that's not what this trade was about. It was always <laughs> going to be about the picks, right? Like like these guys aren't the fundamental pieces of a championship core. Like I mean, like they're not going to be like, like I don't know. It really depends on how you feel about Karis Levert. I I don't think he can be like the, one of the two best players on a championship team, right? Like I think he's a nice player. I like him a lot. He shot like fifty percent true shooting last year. Like he's he's nice. He's a good player. I don't think he's like. You know, I, th- I don't think I don't think he's a building block piece. Yeah, I think so. It, there's some similarities with the way the Pelicans handled the Lakers stuff, where they got there'd be like one cornerstone option, which was Brandon Ingram to me, and then it would be Karis LeVert in this situation. But that that's probably more of a stretch. And then you have some intriguing young guys like in Josh Hart and Lonzo Ball. But you're about to, and I think Lonzo Ball is more intriguing than Jared Allen. But these younger guys are all nearing paydays, and like Spencer Dinwiddie's older, but he's a player option for next season. And so what you're doing is you're betting on the predominantly, let's say, the one player here, which is Karis LeVert, um, because he's under contract for a while, and in Brandon Ingram's case, he was going to be restricted, yada, yada, yada. And then you're betting against the good, the team's future that you're trading a superstar to. And that's what you're effectively doing here for Houston. I think it's Karis LeVert, and you want those picks. And what's intriguing to me about this framework, if I'm Houston, insofar as I'm willing to deal him, or, or I like Karis LeVert, who... I think he's a really good passer, and the fact that he shoots so well on off-the-dribble threes, his true shooting percentage might be lower, but off-the-dribble threes are like V-shot right now to help build around an offense. His fit with John Wall, though, could be questionable, just like it's questionable with 
Kyrie and KD because he needs to play off the ball. But I think he's on a good contract and a good player. But he's at that weird age, 26, where he's like not young, but he's not old. But you're betting on those picks. And the first of which here conveys when technically um, Kevin Durant, after Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden all have their player options. Because they have those, um, if I'm not mistaken, they're all 2022. Uh, they're all 2022 player options. And so if, like, theoretically, if they lose one of them or two of them, or if Kevin Durant's a shell of himself, like, you're in a position to where now you have this unprotected pick where perhaps Brooklyn has lost one or more of its big three. And yeah, yeah. so. Oh, go like, ahead. Like, no, so, like, like what I was going to say is I, I understood what you were doing when you started with 2023. I still think if I'm Houston, like, listen, you're not giving me any, like, foundational piece up front. Like, straight up. Like, none, none of these three guys I view as foundational pieces. So I want those picks to even be farther out if I'm Houston. I asked for a 2024 and beyond. Or even if, I, so, I doubt this, like, I doubt this will happen. Like, even 2025 if you could get it. Right? Like, I think I think you start, like, if, if you're Houston, you ask for those picks to be as far out as humanly possible as you can possibly make it go with Sean Marks, Right? And I think I think that's because that's the that's the offer like that. That's this whole trade is not centered around Spencer Dimwitty. It's centered around these picks. So if I'm Houston, I'm trading you one of the 30 greatest players of all time uh, in his prime, uh, you know, a walking 50 win season in James Harden. I want like a good, healthy sum of picks back. So. All right. So let's play this game. If they move it to if they start it in 2024, with a swap and they're willing to do a 2027 unprotected pick. And now you've lost that 2023 first. Does that make the offer a lot more intriguing to you? Or is it still, Hey, we'd rather just wait and see what happens with Philly. Yeah. So like if Philly's on the table, I'm taking that Philly offer anyway. Hey, let's but just, but let's just but say like, that, Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. We're like in, in like a vacuum. Like what we're talking about is like, you know, four picks, two of them being swaps, two of them being unprotected, like in a vacuum, that's an acceptable offer. If those picks are far out. I think, and surrounded by these three players, like, I think it's an, because I think these players are going to be, you know, pressed into the sun. Like, and what I mean by that is they're going to be traded for first round picks uh, as well. So these, like Spencer Dimwitty, you could, you know, by default call him a first round pick because Houston's going to trade him in the following trade deadline. Like straight up, like he, he is not going, the Rockets are not going to let his contract expire. The Rockets are going to trade Spencer Dimwitty the following, the following trade deadline if they do this deal. Right. What? I mean, sorry. Oh no, I agree with you. I'm sorry. Keep going. No, so like, it, like if I'm Houston, like I, I, like I, I, with all that in mind, I just, I, I think you would wait and see if Philly is interested uh, in putting, you know, Simmons or Embiid on the table. But if if they aren't, this is an acceptable offer in a vacuum. But we're not in a vacuum, right? You have to consider all these other offers. But this is an acceptable offer as long as it, as long as that trade is starting in 2024. Not 2023. So, so you're talking. Is, Go ahead, there, sorry. is there anything Brooklyn can do? To, like, let's say Philly stances. We're not dealing any one of them now. If we do, it will be at the beginning of March or closer towards the trade deadline when we have a better idea of what our team is. Is there anything the Nets can actually do to make a trade go through before then? Probably not. So like, I mean, even like, if they were just like, let's say the framework I have right now, 2023, it starts there, but they're also willing to include that 2027 pick. So now you've ended up with five first oh, yeah. three first and two swaps are you doing that maybe i mean i don't know like that that's pretty far out what you're talking about a 2027 pick i mean they might be a legitimate like top 10 in the lottery team by that point and you know i, I have no idea how far far out these front offices scout 
Uh, I don't I don't know how how good that draft class is, but generally, if you're getting a top ten pick back in a star trade, that's good. Um, I don't know. Like I I I think I still wait on Philly, just because like I know like Simmons is such a known quantity. Like like you know what you what you pointed about what you pointed out earlier when we were talking about the Sixers and like him being still so young and still such a known quality quantity. Like I think that was a good point. And I, I think that's what makes him the most tantalizing trade piece. And I think I still would wait till March. And I, I also, like, on Houston's end, I want to see how this team looks. And I want to know if there's a 5% chance I can keep James Harden. That's right? a good, that's, like I, that is part of the calculus. You are right. Yeah. So, I, I, and I think, um, I think, I think at that point, if you start the season off pretty well, like, your leverage goes up. So I don't think there's anything Brooklyn can do to top the Sixers if the Sixers aren't throwing in, uh, you know anything? Uh, anything other than just picks? Like I, I think, I think at that point you're just waiting if you're Houston. Yeah, and there's nothing else the Nets can do beyond including that 2027 pick. Like that would be the, like they include yeah. that. Like that's what you can do. And I think what you could do in Houston's part, I'd actually probably do it if I'm Houston. To be honest with you, um, just to bank it, just just because you know it's a good offer, you just want to bank it in. If they include 2023 and 2027, I do it in a heartbeat, just because I think there's a chance this goes bust like in some form by 2023 like i don't think you need to go that far out so that's why i I would do it um i do get the argument though if you're houston you want to see if you can convince harden to stay and then if philly's string you along i think you could take the stance of well if this brooklyn offer is here now why won't it be there in march because what are the odds that they've outperformed expectations so much that they're not willing to make the deal yeah, and you're and you're talking about. By the way, you're talking about controlling any of these deals, controlling a team's draft, like for four or five years. That's insane. Like, chances are one of those picks are going to be lotteries, lottery picks, regardless. Like, it it just unless you're the Spurs, like it, like one of those picks are going to be lottery picks. Uh, and it's it, like I think that that that's what makes this offer so tempting is because like you're you're guaranteed at least one lottery pick in our in any of those picks. Probably 2025 and 2026. Cause I think KD is still going to be pretty good in 2023 if they can retain him. But I mean, that's a pretty good starting point. And I, I but that's all it is. If I'm using that's a starting point. And I think if, I think this offer has probably already been pitched without you know picks so far out. Like I think that like they've already pitched Dim Woody and Levert. I'm sure. Like I'm sure the those guys have already been pitched along with one pick. I mean, they so, need Allen Dinwiddie. I mean, Torian Prince could be thrown in. To help them make the money work, but like this deal, Allen Dinwiddie, Kuroots, and Lavert, like it just barely makes the money work for Brooklyn. So like yeah, that Harden makes so much. I, yeah, that's the other part of this. It's like like you have to include a lot of players functionally because Harden makes so much money. Right, and so like I can't imagine that. I don't know that Houston's really interested in Jared Allen, but like you want him in this deal just because he's and that's his another best pick. Pro- yeah, another first pick, another first round pick. So it's like. Dinwiddie, Allen, and Lavert has been pitched. Maybe the fourth player is Prince as opposed to Cruz, but like, th- like the framework of this deal has been pitched. Like we just know that for a fact. Yeah, for so, sure. And I, I think the only thing like that hasn't been pitched is I don't think what the Nets are offering is on protect. I think that they've definitely tried to play slick and protect these picks just so they can have the leverage later on to unprotect them and just up their offer. And that's, look, that's the risk Houston runs too, is that the offers could theoretically get worse if they don't play well and Harden becomes this malcontent and more of a distraction. There's risk on both sides. I think, I don't think there's much more harm in them waiting, to be honest with you. 
Um, no. But there is risk. They're, they're on at there. the bottom of the barrel right yeah. now. Well, look, if you're trading him in March, it's a year and a half of James Harden. It's a season and a half of James Harden as opposed to two seasons. And that certainly matters for some teams. Uh, maybe that doesn't matter because we don't know how many teams are going to come to the table. But like, there could be other teams that are just like, you know what, we're going to take this first round pick from 2027 or 2026 off the table because you waited too long or you guys are worse off and Harden's like wants out anyway. So they do run the risk. But I think for the most part, if Philly's stringing you along where you know that Simmons or Embiid would be an option potentially, it's most likely worth waiting, which is why, one, as we move forward, I'm really hoping to fuck you up. Like, I want you to just be mind-blown in some form. But I think all these – I'm looking at all these offers as Houston is considering them because they think that Philly's out of the question. So if you want to measure it against the Nets offer, I think is probably the best way to do it. Um, I don't think any of them – I see one – maybe two that might potentially be better than um, like Philly's offer, but it's just because Simmons and Embiid are such known commodities, it's tough to beat that. So I think if you're moving him elsewhere, it's because you don't think that Philly is an option. Yeah, you're right. And, and, and I think like, let me ask you a question, by the way. So like if you're the Sixers or if you're the Nets and you trade for James Harden, if any of these two teams trade for James Harden, are they immediately favorites in the Eastern Conference to win, to win the East? Like I, I, I feel like they are. One of these I don't know about Brooklyn. I just Kevin Durant's coming back from an Achilles injury. I need to see it. Like, and I, I'm yeah, not even trying to. I want to see their defense too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, look, there's a look after um, after this theoretical trade um, for the Nets. Like, there's a chance that Brooklyn's best defender, aside from Bruce Brown, is Kevin Durant, which is Durant, probably yeah. an issue. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, mean, I guess you can have you know DeAndre Jordan, you know, defensive player of the year, Doc Rivers, uh, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, be a rim good enough to yeah. start over Jared Allen, apparently, too. For yeah, no yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. What, a, what a decision! What a decision by the Nets. They, they decide they basically parted ways with Kenny Atkinson because of that. I guess that's wild. Yeah, I think there's definitely other stuff. Like, it feels like that was the like that was just the defining point where it's like he was starting Jared Allen and then DeAndre Jordan's in the starting lineup the first game after Kenny Atkinson leaves. That's not a coincidence. Yeah, and 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 you know, fundamentally, the reason we're talking about a James Harden trade right now is because the stars have so much power in the league. This is also another example of that, right? Like they can just fire coaches now. Like that, that's just a thing they can do. Like no, we want we want Steve Nash instead. We we don't want we we don't want Kenny Atkinson uh, making his own personnel decisions. That's just a wild place we're at in the NBA. Yeah, and it's look, I think people try like champion player empowerment, which for the most part is fine, but. Player empowerment really applies to maybe 15 players in the league. Like, that's the thing. Like, when it comes to contract lengths, like, yeah, Marcus Morris can sign a one-year deal if he wants to for a balloon payment like he did last season, but... like Probably more like seven, and KD is definitely one of those seven. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, clearly. So just looking at what the... And a Kyrie, they apparently consider one of those seven. That's why I said 10, because mm-hmm. I don't think he's one of the seven best players. And maybe when paired yeah. with Durant, it's different, obviously. Right. So are you ready to journey off the beaten path here? Let's do it. The next team up is Boston. And I think I start out by saying like, they're not getting Jason Tatum because I think the whole point you do this if you're Boston is to pair him with Jason Tatum. It's like why Brooklyn probably doesn't dangle Kyrie Irving in talks for James Harden. Right. I agree. The offer would be Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, Carson Edwards and or Grant Williams, a 2024 first round pick, a 2025 first round swap, a 2026 first round pick unprotected, and a 2027 first round swap unprotected. Yeah, so like if if the, if this whole Boston thing works the way they wanted to, the only good pick here could be probably 2027. 
And like, I think the Brooklyn offered tops this unless they're throwing in Jalen Brown, which I'm not sure if you have that in this document. Like if they have, J- if they throw in Jalen Brown, you're in the conversation. Like, yeah. That's what it's Jalen Brown, smart Edwards or Grant Williams. And then four picks, the two unprotected in 24 and 26, and then two swaps, 25 and 27. And I think the reason this is one of those situations where I'm sure teams would haggle over protections on maybe the swap in 2027, but because Tatum's so young and Boston projects to still be so good by then, you can probably get them to maybe it's only like top three protection, or maybe it's just, I have it as unprotected here. And so, yeah, if you're throwing in Brown, you you might even be able to cut off a first round pick here. It might just okay. be three. It might just be like uh two first round picks and a swap. Like, I think that might be like, I, cause I, I like Brown a lot. Like, I think he could be, you know, maybe second, third best player on a championship team at his peak. I, I'm not sure if he's there yet at all, but I, but I really like him. And I, I think, uh, he's, he's a nice player to surround a trade around. I don't think he's, you know, foundational player yet, but you know, I think, I think he gets you in the conversation. He gets your foot in the door. I think I probably like this as much as I like the Brooklyn offer. Uh, I'm not sure what you think about that. Because uh, we're fundamentally, we're going to compare all these trades to the Brooklyn offer, right? Because yeah. that's the floor, right? And uh, I think I probably like this about as much as I like the Brooklyn offer. You like it? I just cut off the 2027 swap at your what you said. Like you could probably cut something off, so it'd be no. Or you probably cut off early, right? If you're Houston, then that's what you would haggle over. You'd you'd, you'd haggle over. No, we don't want that for 2024 pick. We want the 2027, the 2020. So- Okay, yeah, I'm cool. saying like, like you have leverage. Like you can, you if you're Boston, you have leverage. You don't have to throw in four picks. So you uh, you're saying, it, yeah, I guess the sticking point would be let's say so let's say you end up at two picks and a swap. If you're Houston, you want 2025 and 2027 picks with a 2026 swap, swap. but they don't right. have. I think what the problem is they don't have their 2026 pick, correct? So you, I think that's why I built it like this. I'll look really quick just to confirm because we're all over the place here. They do not have their 2026. Um, First, it's protected um, top four, but like you can't broker a swap like that. So you would have okay. to take um, the 2024 pick, 2026 pick, and then the 2025 swap. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And I still think I think I like this better than the Brooklyn offer still with the two picks and a swap. Because you're getting Jalen Brown? I think Jalen Brown is really good. And he's what he does is he's plug and play like fringe stardom. Like he could be an all star, probably not in the West, but he could be. And. He's proven that he can score a bulk of his points within the flow of the offense and handle some really tough defensive assignments. And so plug-and-play stardom, it's not the same as mega stardom, but I think it still really matters. Yeah, and I, I also think, like, you know, we're going to see a lot of Jalen Brown this year. And I, I think, you know, this entire offseason for Boston has been around Gordon Hayward, right, and the loss of Gordon Hayward. And I actually think they're two star players or, like, they're, you know, you know their core scores, you know, you know, um, they just have more oxygen to do more things offensively. And I want to see how Brown benefits from that. I want to see how he does with an increased workload offensively. Uh, you know, Tatum is obviously going to get his, but I, I, I just, I want to see what, I want to see how Brown does in that role. Yeah. They're going to need him to run pick and roll without Gordon Hayward there for sure. And with Kemba injured to start the year as well. Right. Cause if he potentially does really good in that role, I mean like your offer gets better. Right. And I, I, again, I I I will, I'm actually curious if like Boston is interested in James Harden. I th- I, I think they should be, but I I wonder if they if they I, are. See, I don't think I wouldn't necessarily endorse. I'd be okay if that's the move. This is the move that they made where we settled. I don't know that you have to think about it because like James Harden is that good. And look, 
But the problem is, is like you've paid Kemba, you've paid Tatum. Like that's a lot of money committed to three guys. The flip side of that is if you have Harden and for some reason Kemba goes belly up for the last two years of his deal, like it doesn't hurt you that much because you have James Harden. Yeah. You're going to feel it more if it's Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart there instead of James Harden. And, and again, like, like, and we're going to talk about this, I guess, when we get to like Denver, like is Denver on this list? No. Yeah. So I was just going to mention oh, okay. them as like, I don't think just because Jokic has the ball so much, like that's just one of the teams where I don't think it makes sense to give up Murray, Michael Porter Jr. And a bunch of picks for James Harden. That would be the deal. It'd be Murray, another salary, Michael Porter Jr. And a bunch oh, of picks. I, I don't think, I don't think they throw in Michael Porter Jr. At all. If, if they're throwing in Murray, like it's it's one or the other, man. Like you can't have both. Like again, like Houston is such in such a crappy spot. They can't demand two young prospects with that. Like if they do, we're talking that we're talking about this trade as a steal. And I don't think they're I don't think right now they're in a position to get a steal. They're probably in a position to get fair value, uh, like a decent haul. But just because of Harden's age and just because of the the mess he's causing right now, I don't think they can get two star prospects out of a trade. Well, so I, and then it has sorry. to be Murray just because of the money. It's right. I don't know, like you would have to get all sorts of weird if you're going with Michael Porter Jr. as opposed to Murray because that's a twenty five million dollar salary difference. And, and listen, man, like you know me, like we we had this pod. You you were on my podcast last time, and I talked about like I would just get crazy if I can pair Jokic with Harden. For the next two years, like you're like but, the reason like right now we're talking about the Western Conference as like the Clippers and Lakers and the Nuggets just made the Western Conference last year. Right. Like we're not talking about them as seriously as we need to, because we know like fundamentally they probably have a ceiling with this core because they just don't have like a, a strong enough, you know, like second. Like I like Jamal Murray a lot. I, I love what he did in the playoffs this year. I'm not sure if he's like a superstar, superstar player. I know for sure. Harden is that guy. And I know for sure if you can pair Harden with Jokic, you get to the top of the Western Conference. Like you're you're right there with the Lakers. I like I like the Nuggets a lot more if they do that trade. So if so then if you're Denver and you're making this trade, you know, before Jermichael Green can be moved and stuff like that, you're it's basically Gary at Gary Harris, Will Barton, Michael Porter Jr., and then I would say two um two picks and two swaps for James Harden. Yeah, I mean, I I think if you're throwing in Murray, like, yeah, yeah, I think it's fair. Well, that was with Porter. If that it's Murray, Murray, you're probably looking at Murray and, like, who else are you? Uh, Murray and, like, is it Murray and Barton and then two picks and two swaps? Like, does that get it no, done? No, no, you? You, you do not need to throw in that many picks. You do not. You're, you're giving them Murray, right? Like, like Murray, Murray is probably the only other player on here that sh- has shown, like, Simmons potential, right? Like, he's probably not as good as Simmons at his peak as Simmons is just so damn good defensively, but he, he gets to that 15 level pretty regularly. Right? So the, so then the framework then that we would land on for Denver is you're either moving Porter Harris and Barton, because that's what the money would dictate. And then, and then those picks. And then, and then with Murray, it's less picks, right? Two picks and a swap as opposed to two picks and two swaps. Right. And maybe, maybe even less than that, maybe even two picks or whatever, like, like, you know, one two unprotected picks instead of like one two picks in one spot like maybe you can get like that crazy because i again like if you if you throw in a star prospect you're just you with all these trades you just don't have to throw in as many picks yeah like you, that makes sense and I, while i get it um for denver i'd probably prefer to give up porter jr just because murray's so um, porter jr's good off the ball too it's just that harden we don't know like Jokic needs the ball to some extent even though he can play off it as well and like we just haven't seen Harden play off the ball basically at all since arriving yeah. in Houston, and so it seems like more of a risk for them 
than a lot of these other teams. That's fair. Like I'm the talent guy, right? Like I'm like talent, 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 figure it out later. Like that, that, that's, that's how I always Daryl Morey's rubbing off on you. Yeah. I mean, that's how I've always thought about it. Right. Like, it's just like, he's definitely a heavy influence in the way I've thought about team building Daryl Morey. Right. And I think, I think if I'm, if I can pair those two top 10 talents, I, I just, it's just too tantalizing. Right. And I understand Murray's Murray's the younger prospect. And I, I understand that, you know, you don't want to break up what you have going there. He's a homegrown talent. You, it, it's very hard to do. It's a very hard trade to do, especially coming off a Western Conference Finals appearance. But I still don't view their peak as getting to the NBA Finals. I mean, I don't know. I'm curious to hear what you think. Like, do you think they could get to the NBA Finals in this Western Conference with this core? Uh, I think they could. It's just a lot harder this side of losing Jeremy Grant. Just their defense is taking such a hit, and Harden's not going to help you there. And look, you don't if, think Jermichael Green makes up some of it? Not for what Grant can do, like positionally. I don't want Jermichael Green touching LeBron James or Kawhi Leonard or Paul George. Fair. And look, the other thing with them is like if if for some reason you are doing the Michael Porter Jr. trade, like you're obliterating your wing depth because Barton and Harris are basically your only other wings, and you need them essentially to make the money work. <laughs> But you're also obliterating your headache, right? Like, like he's the guy that's just like, what was his quote in the middle of the playoffs last year? Like, I need, I need my touches or something like that. Like, he said some something weird in a press conference last year during the middle of the playoffs, where like the Nuggets were having a bunch of success and they just lost one playoff game or something. Mm-hmm. And like he said something wild. I don't know what it was, but like, like he he definitely seems like a guy. Um, if if you if you could get like a star player out of him, you you do it in a heartbeat. Um, yeah, sweet. So I just realized something that's an error with the Nets trade is that it would have to be a 2023. The swaps have to be exchanged. So I have a 2024 swap there. So I just wanted to clarify the Nets would have to give up a 2024 pick. Then it would be a 2025 swap, a 2026, um, pick, and then a 2027 swap. Um, keeping track of the Houston's pick commitments make this so difficult. They did trade for picks, but it's because they're, those picks have protections on them as well. Like, you can't really futz around, like, with those. So, for anyone listening, I did catch that error. Yeah. Okay, so, and, and the, by the way, I, I, I understand we were talking about Boston a little bit later. Like, but the reason I mentioned that is, like, the, I, I go into that with the same mindset with Boston, right? Like, if you can, you if you have the opportunity to pair Tatum with Harden, like, you, you have to give that at least some heavy consideration, right? Like, I think, I think Tatum has, a, you know, really, really, you know, high, a really high potential. But I'm not sure if he has like best player on a championship team yet, like level right. potential yet. Like that, that's like I, well, I the know other it's thing is controversial because he's done really well in the playoffs. But it's just I'm not sure if he has that yet. The Kemba injury too makes it like if Kemba is fully healthy and you're not worried about his knees, maybe you're probably less likely to be interested in James Harden in general. I think it becomes more intriguing because of the uncertainty now surrounding Kemba long term. Yeah, I think there's a reason they signed Teague, right? Like, I, I think that I think they knew some of this. They had some. Intel. Well, they also lost Hayward, and like they let Watermaker go. They just needed another playmaker in general. Right, but like I, I so like the Hayward thing. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Like I think the Hayward lo- loss is getting a little bit overrated because I think these other guys need more touches. Like I, I would like to see these guys with more usage rate. Especially uh, Tatum, Brown. I, I think uh, where it deserves to be criticized that if they really could have had Doug McDermott, Miles Turner, and a first round pick for Gordon Hayward, right. and they were like, no, you need to give us Oladipo or TJ Warren instead, that's just wild. Hey, but, like, but I would they, have taken they got, Turner. They got, this, 
bloated trade exception out of this. So what? I, it really depends. Yeah, on, but they're hard like, capped, so they can't even like sure. really use it to the full extent. Right, right. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about their hard cap. It's just, it's, whenever you do these sign-in trades, you always like limit yourself a little bit in terms of what you can do midseason. It sucks. Are you ready to move on to our next team? Yes, let's do it. It's the Warriors, and the deal would be Andrew Wiggins, Wiseman, Kavon Looney, Eric Paschal, the Minnesota pick in 2021, and then two additional first-round picks unprotected and two additional swaps that I think you would have to stretch out until 2026. So the, uh, the question I have for you is how good is Minnesota going to be next year? They're not right? going to be good. I probably have them as one of the three to four worst Western Conference teams right now. Because here's the thing. Whenever you add Rubio, he, Rubio, like, criticize him all you want. I, he has his warts. He just He's just good. Like he's just he, he he always gives you a certain baseline of competency at the point guard level. Good, really good passer, pretty good defender. He, he's always going to improve your 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 level there. And they just they just you know drafted the first round pick. I I I I think they're going to be better than what they were last year. I think the pick is still going to be attractive, but I just wonder like how good is it going to be? Like I, like how is it going to be a top five pick or is it going to be a top ten pick? Like where do you see that pick land? <sighs> I think top 10 for sure. I think it'll be closer. Top seven would be my estimation. Where I think there's a chance for them to be good, if you just look at the rest of the West, like that's where the disparity is going to come in. The only team that I can guarantee that they'll be better than right now is Oklahoma City. And like after that, it's maybe they're better than the Kings. Yeah. So I like this trade a lot better than like if, if Minnesota does end up being that bad. I like this trade a lot better than Brooklyn's. Obviously. Well, the other do you, sure. what, what's interesting is if Minnesota's pick doesn't convey this year, it's unprotected in 2022. Yeah, yeah, uh, but you got to figure that they're they they've got to be a playoff team by then, right? Like, because then because then at that point you're, you're talking about like the pressure is on to retain talent, right? It is, and, but like, what are you doing at that point? Because you have no money to spend, and like, yeah, okay, you've you've landed a top three prospect from last year's draft, but is he making such an impact? that he's bringing you to the playoffs. I guess you have to flip him for a star is what you're saying by that point then. Yeah, you, you do. You do. I mean, you have to keep Towns. Like, Towns is that good. Like, you have to keep... I, I don't know I don't know what your, your opinion is on Towns. I'm super high on him. I, I understand they've been a losing team with him as their foundational player. I still think he can be, like, the second best player on a championship team, maybe even first. Like, he, like, what he can do as an offensive player, as a big man in this league, is just insanely versatile. And I like to keep him. I, I I'm doing everything I can to, to po- possible because it, it's very hard to find a prospect like that, even as a number one pick in the draft. So uh, yeah, I, the, the pressure is on at that point. But yeah, I mean, if you're talking 2022, if it doesn't convey, and you're what you're really betting on, if you're Houston, is like they're still going to be bad at that point. Which I don't know. I mean, like I, 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 I would think that they're probably not. But I mean, who knows? They they were that bad this year, right? So we'll see. Uh, but 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 in general, I do like this trade better than the Nets package for Houston. So you even with Wiggins involved, um, you're yeah, getting. I think yeah. I mean, it's Wiseman and yeah. three firsts and two swaps. Yeah, because that Minnesota pick could be end up being really good. Um. And it's a really good draft too, which like these other trades like that we mentioned have not talked about the 2021 draft, which is the double draft, right? Or or like it's 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 a really good prospect heavy draft. Well, right? yeah, because of these other teams, if you're acquiring James Harden, like unless you have another team's 2021 pick, like you're not 
is just not going to work out. Like it's just the the twenty twenty one pick. You're like, yeah, you could get it, but it's not going to have a ton of value to Houston. Right. Yeah. And like, I think this one could. So I like it's one it's one of those things where it's like you're doing this trade fundamentally for Wiseman in that twenty twenty one pick. And I like that. I like that version of assets better than what Brooklyn can offer, unless like you're talking about extending those Brooklyn picks like even further than what we're talking about, which I don't think is going to happen. But I like this trade probably better than the Brooklyn pick, the Brooklyn trade. So I think that's pretty. I think that's pretty acceptable. I would be absolutely here for having Harden, Draymond Green, and Steph on the same team, and then also throwing in whatever is left of Clay Thompson after next season as well. That would be that would just be a fun team to watch to me. Uh, yeah. It, it, what you like? So you, do you think? Do you think you like? So I, I'm guessing at that point, Clay plays the three, right? Draymond plays the four. Who plays center at that point? I, I guess you find someone on the margins and and you worry about that. Yeah, later, that could right? be like centers are easy to approximate in general. So like maybe right. someone comes to sign with you. Um, maybe Smilagich pans out. Who knows? He won't. <laughs> He's terrible. Yeah. Um, this next trade it's with the Clippers, and so Paul George is involved. I'm let. This is happening under the guise that Paul George is going to stay in Houston. Um, but it would be Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Lou Williams, Fiondu Cabangeli, and then they don't have any first to give up. So they have three Detroit seconds, 2024, 2025, 2026. Could actually be fairly high-value seconds, but you are getting what would be a present superstar. But you're also, in addition to training James Harden, you're getting off of Eric Gordon's money as well. So you do this trade if you want to flip Paul George again, if you're Houston, I think. Oh, really? It's I, not like, hey, we can win with Beverly, no, Wall, no, George, and on. we will. No? Okay. Let's be real. Let's be real. Like, can you really build a championship team as Paul George as your best player? Probably not. And and like when you're trading for him with this kind of with, – if you're when you're trading Harden for him, you're basically talking about – like because he's at that point in his career. Like, what is Paul George, 29, 30? Paul George is – I think he's 28. Paul yeah. George is 20. Oh, he's 30. Excuse me. I was way off. Yeah. So like I, at that point, it's like you're, you're, you're trading for him to be the best player on your team. And because I don't think you're, you're going to be in the free agency. You're, you're going to be in the free agency sweepstakes if Paul George is your guy. Like I, I, I probably turn this into a three teamer if you can to get more assets back. If you're, if you're the Clippers and you really want James Harden and Paul George is, is your, is the guy you're willing to move him for. Like you probably try to expand this trade. And, you know, I, I don't know if, if you're ready to expand this trade. Like, I don't know if, if you have a, a doc, another doc out with, like, three-team trades. But, like, that's what you probably do if you're, if you're the Clippers. Because what the Rockets have said publicly, they, they want future assets. Well, or, you know, or they want a, a young asset. Do you know what I you, don't think this, this trade gives them that. Do you know what you could do is expand it to include the Warriors who get Paul George instead of Harden. And they're giving up. Um, Wiggins still has to be part of that deal. And then maybe you get Wiseman and Minnie's pick. Like it, yeah. like I don't know. It seems like you're still getting less in the net. You need someone who's going to give up like a lot for Paul George because. And if st- I'm go if I'm Golden State, I just go directly to the Rockets and get Harden instead, right? Right. Like, so I, like that's the that's the issue here. Yeah, the, the, this trade's a no go. We're shooting this one down. Um. Yeah, I just figured it'd be interesting because everyone's hitting on Paul George right now. Miami's been another team that's mentioned. And look, I promise I have some smaller markets here. Um, I just wanted to get the main, and I'm going in alphabetical order of the teams I thought. And we did talk about the Nuggets, um, to my defense. Miami's in a little bit of a pickle because they can't trade Bam Adebayo because of the poison pill provision. It's just too hard with the amount of money that Harden makes and then Houston's cap situation. The deal would be, and the first, they can't trade a first round pick until 
2025. Um, so it would be Andre Godala, Kelly Olenek, two expiring contracts, Tyler Hero, Precious Achua, and then I'm actually deleting something because the swap doesn't work that I've written down. It's a 2025 first round pick and a 2027 first round pick. And that's just, that's Miami's top offer. They can include Duncan Robinson as well. So let's just, I guess they would have to, if they want to get in the running. Is that what you would say? Yeah, uh, this, this, this looks like a pretty fragile offer. Uh, I understand you're getting back Tyler Hero. It really depends on how, how high you are on him, right? Like if, if you're really like, like, what was it? Dan Levitard went on the low post and said that Miami thinks he could be like the next Devin Booker. Like right. if you're, if Houston actually believes that, then yeah, that you, you do this trade. But I, I don't believe he can be the next Devin Booker. Like I, I like I like Tyler Hero a lot. I that's that's a really high bar, right? So if if they believe he can become that, you do this trade as presently constructed. I don't think that's enough picks. I don't think that's enough young asset. Like I think. Like even Duncan Robinson, like you're probably trading Duncan Robinson too, right? To get more right. picks. Um, yeah, I, I I'd probably say no unless you're adding more picks to this. Like, but you I, can't because like even yeah, Miami's like their obligations. Like, yeah, they could do a 2024 swap or a 2026 swap, but Houston doesn't have picks. Like because they owe theirs to Oklahoma City in that one, which makes this just so unbelievably difficult to structure. So, what do you think of this trade? Like, what's your opinion on this trade? Do you oh, think, I wouldn't would do you it. Do th- it yeah, I would. You would have to that. think that Tyler Hero is going to be the next Devin Booker. Like it would have right. to be that. Um, you could wait if you're holding Harden on through this year, and then maybe they're willing to make Bam available. Like maybe they just finish the season short. Like then it gets a lot more interesting because now you're getting another player who's under contract for five years. But without Bam involved, I don't really see it being possible. Yeah. This next yeah, I, deal, I agree. Minnesota. Like, I know D'Angelo Russell is Carl Anthony Towns' best friend, but James Harden is better. And D'Lo, uh, so I'm just throwing out there. The trade would be. Are you sure though? Are you sure? <laughs> I mean, is anyone really sure about that? Um, I will say if I think Gerson Rosas, uh, Minnesota's um, president, like he would be the guy to acquire Towns' best friend, like take a swing, give up that um, loosely protected pick to Golden State, but then turn around and trade him again. Like he would be one of the team executives to do that. But the deal would be D'Angelo Russell, Anthony Edwards, who was just selected number one overall, Jared Culver. Um, a 2022 first round swap, a 2024 first round pick, a 2025 first round swap, and a 2026 first round pick for James Harden. And I, you also, I think, um, have to give up PJ Tucker in this deal. If you want to keep PJ Tucker, I don't think that you're getting like that 2022 first round swap, or maybe even Jarrett Culver at that point. And maybe Houston doesn't want Jarrett Culver. I still think, look, he was just drafted a year ago. There's a chance that he could turn into something, especially on defense. Yeah, so the, I love this trade on Minnesota side, but there, first of all, like it's it, it's God, it's going to be really tough to construct a defense around Harden and Towns. But is it going to be can, any harder than constructing a defense around D'Lo and Towns? Yeah, I mean it, it, it probably isn't right, but like like that that's the challenge. Like you're you're doing this trade because you want to win a championship at that point with Towns, right? That, that's why you do this trade. Um, and I, I don't know. Like I, I really like the, the the duo of of Harden and Towns. That's a really nice starting point. But um, yeah, I mean, like from Houston's end, these picks are way too early because <laughs> like, presumably they're going out till twenty twenty six. Though, what do you want? It can only go out to twenty twenty seven. You want you want less? Wait, hold on. It, it, my bad. Like the, the your, your call thing was covering the asset seven box. Oh. Um, <laughs> And that's okay. how complicated this trade was. I went out to asset number 10 
um, in the in the spreadsheet. Just an FYI. Right. Yeah. So. Oh, man, that, that so I mean, so what do you think of Jared Culver? I think he still has a chance. He shot um, almost 40 percent on three pointers on semi good volume over the last 30 games of the season. I think he's going to I think he can actually the Timberwolves haven't tried it. I see a path if he's really put on 15 pounds, like he says, he, he can guard ones, twos, threes and fours. And I don't think he's ever going to turn into this great off the dribble creator. But you don't if you have Anthony Edwards and D'Angelo Russell on your team and John Wall, by the way. You don't need him to be. And I know Houston's going to go through turnover, but I actually like this trade for Houston. And I would only like it for Minnesota if Harden says he's staying, which, you know, I've I've never actually been to Minnesota, so I don't know what the club scene is like there. Uh, maybe we need someone to take him around and, and show him around there. So well, that I'm sure he already knows what it is. That's but, also um, fair. Yeah, but, I mean, like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it really, yeah, you're right. It really does depend if and, James Harden wants to stay because you are, at that point, you're going, if, from, if you're Minnesota, you are going for a championship because you don't trade for James Harden and put him next to Carl Towns if you're not going for a championship. And at that point, you have to acquire every three D when you can to, to make up for what this is, what this core isn't defensively. Like you, you have to go get Robert Covington again, right? You have to right. go get, uh, you have to go get every three D when you possibly can to cut to surround this core. It can, it can work. It can be really good. Uh, I guess you have to ask yourself whether that core can be better than the Lakers or the Clippers or. The Nuggets, uh, I think they're probably as good as the Nuggets, right? Like I, I think that court could probably be as good as the Nuggets. I'm not sure if they're better than the Clippers or Lakers. Um, hmm. See, yeah, and I, look, I do think it comes close to meeting Houston's current criteria where it's like D'Angelo Russell's probably at his peak a fringe all-star, but he's also young. So, and he fits, by the way, he fits beside John Wall. Like, if you're going to keep that, I'm not saying they're trying to contend, but like John Wall and D'Angelo Russell, like, theoretically do make sense together yeah I, I i think at that point if you're acquiring russell you're probably trading him too <laughs> like like because again if you're not getting back a star prospect you're going after picks with every asset you, you get back yeah those those ass those players you get back are going to get flipped again in trade deadline situations to well, teams what's the point want. of wanting a young potential star because you want to trade them again like they don't want yeah, to I mean, keep do, them. i mean i guess do you, do you view d'angelo russell as a young potential star i, I don't would, I, I yeah, I guess that's fair. Yeah, like I, I I like Russell. Like I don't get me wrong, he's a good player. I don't think he's you know a building block piece. Like and like like I, I I'm assuming like under Rafael Stone, there's going to be a similar mentality to what what it was under Daryl Morey, where like they're trying to acquire building block pieces point blank, and they're trying to be a championship well, team again at some point again. So I don't think Russell gets you you know very far the flip side of this still is though you're getting anthony edwards culver another two picks and swap another two swaps yeah but what i'm saying is like you're doing this trade for those assets and you're flipping russell yeah i don't know who would be interested in russell necessarily but i do think he would be movable so yeah i don't i don't know what value you get for him but you could suss out a third team that might want him yeah like 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 i this this pick is for anthony edwards jared culver and those picks and swaps it's not for um it's not for D'Angelo Russell, I don't think. But Next, oh, go ahead. It's it's probably on par with um, the Brooklyn trade, I think. Yeah, I would say it's like right there because D'Angelo Russell and Karis LeVert, I would probably be higher on Karis LeVert longer term, but it's like not. It it's still pretty close. Yeah, Karis LeVert's contract is a little bit more attractive, but not much. I mean, like I got. Like, I would say like, a lot like, more attractive. What is it? Yeah, he's I mean, like, I mean, go ahead. I'm sorry. I think he's no, like sorry, three what? years and under sixty million dollars. 
Oh is yeah, his contract. yeah. So, it is a lot. It is a lot more track. I, I don't know why I thought it was more. But three yeah, years and fifty two point five for Karis Levert, as opposed to like three years and ninety something for D'Lo. Fair enough. Yeah, the I like the Brooklyn trade a little bit better, but this is not bad. But I, the, but again, like I don't. I think Houston probably does a deal with those two teams first. You know, the the the, the primary. Should, what should we name those two teams? Like I, I, I guess it's like. The East Coast teams, I, I I think they do a trade to the East Coast before they do a trade to the Timberwolves. Like I, I, I and I don't think the Timberwolves are necessarily hell bent on trying to win a championship right now, right at this moment. That's also fair enough. My next team, so there are two different versions of this trade. I'm trying to go by the Rockets criteria if they want a young star. I pro I wouldn't do this trade if I were the Pelicans, but this is the trade I have. They get James Harden for Brandon Ingram, um, Kyra Lewis, Nikhil Alexander Walker. A 2023 first round swap with the Pels, who have the option to swap with the Lakers that year. A 2024 first round pick. A 2025 first round pick, because they're slated to have, they could have as many as three that year. So they don't, the step in role isn't going to apply here for them. And then a 2026 first round pick. I'm not doing that if I'm New Orleans. Like maybe you're like, oh, you know, Harden and Zion and Steven Adams, like punch it. Like that makes us a contender. But you're just like what Brandon Ingram is your wing depth right now. And I just don't. If you trade him, Harden is way better, but uh, you have to be really confident that Zion Williamson is already going to be an all NBA type player. Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think the Pelicans do this. But if you're Houston, you absolutely pounce on this deal. The like, other, you, like, this, oh, go ahead. this is probably the second best deal on the board right now. The other version of this is Houston is willing to take um, longer term assets and extra picks, and they're just deciding to bottom out. So they're not viewing necessarily, yeah, some of the players are long term pieces, but they're just doing this because, I mean, you'll see in a minute. Eric Bledsoe, this is for the money. Lonzo Ball, who would be a restricted free agent um, next summer, is an extension eligible now. Jackson Hayes, Kira Lewis, a 2022 first round pick, a 2023 first round swap. Again, the Pels can swap with LA. 2024 first round pick, 2025 first round pick. 2026 first round pick and a 2027 first round pick. It'd be more favorable of the Pelicans or Milwaukee's. So the way New Orleans' picks are set up, they can give, they can technically give up first round picks um, in those four straight years, like without it being a swap. Yeah. So this this actually isn't that bad. Like it's, so I, I think what we're finding as we go through this list is if you're, if you don't have a star prospect, you're just going to have to table the, 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 the trade with, um, with picks, right? And I think I like Lonzo Ball a lot. I like Jackson Hayes a lot. I, I, they're not, you know, star prospects. Uh, they're they're probably more complimentary players on you know pretty good teams. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I I don't I don't hate this. Yeah, if you're Lonzo Ball is tough because you have to pay him and you have John Wall already. I don't know how I feel about that. Jackson Hayes, I think you found your backup center behind Christian Wood, and that's fine. He's cost controlled. And look, maybe Lewis is someone, um, but like that you could help him. Look, you're gonna have. Ball, Bledsoe, Lewis, and Wall on the same team. Like, there's another move that has to be made there somewhere. Uh, most yeah, likely I, with Ball. Or I, I just, I just think at that point, like we talked about this on my podcast. Like, I don't think the Rockets did the John Wall trade for John Wall, right? Like, I think that they're it's they're easier to bottom to, out with him than Russell Westbrook is where we ended up. Right. Yeah. And I, I think, I think they're trying to recuperate his value this year so they can possibly flip in, flip him in, you know, the next season or maybe on, on the third year when it's expiring contract. But I don't think. I, I don't think you do any of these trades with with any thought to the current roster, and, right? And other than Christian Wood, Christian Wood's probably the only future piece on your roster. 
And in New Orleans' case, like I don't know what the last one I we talked about, Bledsoe Ball, Hayes, Lewis, and then it's it's legitimately five first round picks in one swap. Like I guess you're doing it for Lewis and the five picks and the swap. Like, and if you want to say maybe Hayes, I don't know if you're even necessarily doing it for Ball, but I think you could probably get more value for Ball, or maybe you view him as, hey, Ball and Lewis is our backcourt of the future. Like, if that's something, so there's a lot of value there if you're willing to suck up like the, um, the wonky roster makeup, and if you maybe could set up other moves. I don't know that Bledsoe could be moved, but you're you're kind of stuck with Wall, and then how do you work out, you know, a backcourt in that situation? But I actually don't. If I'm the Pelicans. I don't. You would have to be confident that Zion, Ingram, and Harden get you to. And we're assuming that Harden wants to stay in New Orleans. That's just what we're assuming. Um, you have to be confident in that being your big three. You have Adams as well. You would still have Josh Hart and Nikhil Alexander Walker, and you'd still have other picks to move if you wanted to make other deals. But like, you need to be confident if you're giving up that much value. I think it amounts to giving up. Let's just say. I mean, it's, it's just a ton. If you view Ball, Hayes, and Lewis as all first-round picks, like let's say low-end, this becomes an eight-pick deal. Yeah, listen, like this really depends on how good Zion is next year, right? Like they're not doing this trade right now, for sure. They're probably doing this. If they do this trade, it's probably next summer. And I, I'm assuming at that point, you see Zion as like a slam dunk, yeah. can be the best player on a championship team. And at that point, it's like, okay, we can't waste this prime. Let's go. Let's go for it right now. It's very LeBron James s situation, and um, yeah, then you probably do this trade because uh, that's the only, you're sacrificing. You're right. You're sacrificing so much uh, to do it. But um, it, it it is you know if, if you get Zion like and if you get Zion like as as like a top fifteen player next season, like which. I don't know. Like I don't know. I don't know how much you view that on the table. But if if that is on the table, then possibly you do this trade. You, I don't you think do, it's you, you sniff around. Yeah, I don't know if it's on the table next year. I would say at least a year from now. But look, you 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 do have Adams. It's so like Adams and Zion and like Josh Hart. Uh, like you do, and JJ Redick is still there. Like that team could still be really good. Like Harden, like we said, is gonna help punch your ticket to close to fifty wins. And I really love Brandon Ingram. Like I I love his game. Yeah, we and need to see if the off-the-dribble three is for real, but I think his efficiency is for real. And so, look, you are yeah. he's going to have more. He was pretty bad on defense this past year, but if, if Harden's taking over some of the ball handling, he can shoulder a lot more of the burden than Ball and Holiday combined. So that's giving Ingram like like energy to expend on, on the defensive end for want of a better way to phrase it. That's a really balanced offensive attack, I think. Um, and the Ingram deal, if the Pelicans were trading him, it would have to wait just in case anyone was wondering until his trade, like until he's eligible to be traded since he signed that new deal. The next, yeah, team, I, don't, I don't think they do that trade. The Ingram trade's a no go for, for, for New Orleans. Yeah. I think the second trade is more likely for sure. Um, and I think, look, I think that's an attractive package for like taking out Brandon Ingram and replacing him with like you essentially took out Brandon Ingram and Nikhil Alexander Walker and replaced him with Bledsoe Ball and Hayes. And you were still able to make the deal like semi-attractive because of the extra picks that were included. You're doing the process at that point, I think, if you're Houston. Yeah, I mean, you have you have a pick out to twenty, like an actual pick out to twenty twenty seven that you know you're getting. Um, that opens yeah. up all, all kinds of options. My next team is the Knicks, and so you're not getting a star in this deal. It's just not happening. Um, I did it. So what you are getting, you're giving up James Harden, but you're also giving up Eric Gordon's money in this one as well. And you're taking back Julius Randle, who only has a partial guarantee, I believe, for $4 million in, um, not this season, but the, the following season, the, the last year of his deal. So you're saving 
a ton of money there since Gordon has two guaranteed years uh, after this one left on his deal before that final non-guaranteed year. And uh, yeah, so that's why Randall's in there. It helps make the money work. New York does have cap space to spare, by the way. I think it's like 20 million or something. So that's why this deal, the money is lopsided because it works, but it's Randall, Barrett, Toppin, Robinson, Knox, a 2021 first round pick unprotected, 2022 first round swap, 2023 first round pick, 2024 first round pick, 2025 first round swap. And the reason the picks are back to back is because the Knicks have Dallas's pick in 2023. So they can, if they're going to keep, as long as they have one first round pick on the books, they can trade both 2023 and 2024 um, and do it that way. I'm curious as to what you think about this package, knowing again that the Rockets are getting out from under Gordon's money as well. I have a headache. Like uh, Leon Rose, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm not sure if you are, but if you are, do not do this trade. Please. Here, and look, and the do other thing is, trade. you've talked a lot about how Houston wants the distant first round picks. I think they want, I think they want imminent picks from the Knicks in this scenario because what's left with James Harden in New York after this deal? Like, there's, I know James Harden is really good, but like, we don't, like, New York is, could still feasibly be a high lottery team next season. And so that's why, like, we could push the picks out if that's what you want to do. Like, there's a way to structure it. Um, no, no, no I'm, I'm talking about from New York's angle. Do not do this trade. With New York. <laughs> like, I, like, like that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Leon Rose, please do not do this trade. And like, unless they really feel confident that they can land someone in free agency with the leftover cap space that they, they I, I'm not even sure. Like, what does their books look like next year? If they do the, if they do this trade, you, <laughs> so you would essentially have Harden and um, who else would be guaranteed? Harden would be the and Gordon, right? Harden, Emmanuel, quickly, Eric Gordon would be your only guaranteed contracts on the books. But the problem is, is like Harden so you and you don't like Harden and Gordon just make too much money to to have. You could, you would still have space because together they make about sixty. So like, there's mm-hmm. a path to it. Um, it's just really hard because you have to trade pretty much everyone. Um, I don't know. Like, like I, I don't. don't love, to I don't be fair, they wouldn't need to trade anyone really because the only other player on the books would be guaranteed money. Would be. Uh, Jacob Evans at this point. So, so yeah. like you, you think that they probably want to keep um, Emmanuel quickly, but make such a small money. So they could have cap space, but like there so, it's bare bones so after this. I'll say this. You do this trade. If, if it's like Harden talks to someone in free agency next year and they plan to go to New York as, as a, as a pair, right? Like, okay, let, like, let's, let's us both go to New York and like you Harden to, Harden asked the Rockets for a trade, and that that free agent goes to New York as a free agent, and then it makes sense. Then then New York do this trade, so, right? Well, let's not set this in stone, though. So if you're looking you're looking at the package the Knicks are giving up, what is if Houston's doing this deal? If you think it's attractive enough for them to do, what can be taken out of it, and Houston would still do it, like to make it more reasonable for the Knicks? Because we're not trying to just fleece the Knicks here. This was just my starting point because Harden's. <laughs> It's tough to value their young players because I don't look at Barrett, Toppin, or Robinson as like future stars. I, I don't. I, I I don't have no idea what Obi Toppin is going to be. I dig like so. The by the way, let, let me let me just be very clear. The way I I value young players is like I look at their first year in the NBA. I do not watch college basketball, right? So I look at what they are that first year in the NBA. Obi Toppin hasn't played yet, so I don't know what he can be. Um, yeah, like like Barrett can be something. I don't know. Like so, like I I I like this trade for Houston, uh, if they're doing it right now because there's no assurance that New York gets a second star. 
uh, next summer. If you're doing it next summer, that means they the problem. They had New York's doing this with the assurance that they're getting somebody else, right? Like if we saw this trade pop up uh, in the middle of yeah, the for start sure. Of next year, like something's up. And there's and, and you would have to pick up Mitchell Robinson's team option to make it happen at that point. Um, who knows if Kevin Knox would even be like? At least now he's still a little bit of a mystery box. Mm-hmm. But after two years, even though he's been bad, so well, if I, I would do it now, I'm not sure if I would do it later. This is something. This is one of those rare trades that aren't Brooklyn or Philly that I would do now. So if okay, so let's say the Knicks took out the 2025 first round swap right now. Are you still doing it? Probably not. <laughs> like so, they but, can't take anything out of this deal. Yeah, because they just don't have like again like. Like unless oh, I mean you you probably know about more about Obi Toppin than me. Like is he is he like a star prospect? No, he's look he's he can really shoot the three ball and he's gonna do I think some damage on the glass as well. But I think he's gonna be a terrible defender uh, long term. Like you can't take you can't take away any of these any of these prospects if you're doing this trade. Well, could but, you okay? So go with me on this. Could you take away Mitchell Robinson knowing that you have to pay him after this year and you already paid Christian Wood? Yeah, but they they could let they could. I actually, I'm not sure if they would want to let him walk because at that point they're in asset accumulation mode. Um, but they're they're also in this trade. They're also dumping Eric Gordon, right? Correct. So that's that's kind of the swap you're making. You're you're trading whatever Robinson's contract is going to be next year for as compared to what Eric Gordon's contract is going to be ne- this year. Uh, so you're saying take out Robinson or take with, like? Are you willing to give anything? Any of the assets that are here? That's not. I don't like. I think I think Barrett, Randall, and Knox have to be included as the tangible assets. Are you willing to give any of the remaining pieces back in this deal and still doing the trade? Like Houston obviously wouldn't be like, oh, you're giving us too much. But you and I are trying to figure this out to where, okay, we're not trying to absolutely screw the Knicks. And maybe it's still, I still wouldn't recommend they do this. But can anything be taken out on their end for Houston to still say, you know what, we'll do this deal. We're getting off Gordon's money and we're still getting... At minimum, even if you take out the swap, like you're still getting three picks and a swap. Um, if you're it's taking you, out Mitchell Robinson, you're still getting three picks and two swaps. That's what that's what makes it so attractive, right? So, look, if Eric Gordon comes out and has like a really good season next year, then his contract isn't viewed as like a dumpable contract, like, like something that you 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 have to get rid of, right? But if if he goes out and has like a season similar to last year, which uh, I I assume like if if Houston's doing this deal next summer, that that means Eric Gordon probably had a bad year. Um, that, that, then, you know, this trade, this trade is still attractive next year. Um, I guess, I guess maybe at that point you can probably take out a swap if, if you're taking away one of these contracts. Uh, yeah, I agree. Okay. Um, so let's just, we'll, we'll delete that 2025 swap and it's, uh, Randall Barrett, Toppin, Robinson, Knox, a 2021 first, a 2022 swap, and then two firsts in 2023 and 2024. Yeah, it's just like it's it's a huge gamble if you're Houston, right? I don't like it for pick. either team. Like it's weird. Uh, if the I Knicks don't. had someone I... else in place already, maybe I'd feel a little bit better about it for them. Um, I think Houston's still getting the better end of this here, though, just with the the at least the upside where it's like, hey, Barrett, Toppin, and Robinson still have a ton of upside, and then you're getting three additional first round picks. And look, the Knicks picks, even in twenty, all of those picks could technically be good. Just because you don't know Harden is yeah. all that they have, then at that point, because that's the gamble, right? That's why this is kind of a challenge trade, right? This is challenging New York's free agency, right? Like, like you're you're betting that they can't get somebody else, correct? And and, and New York is betting that they can't, 
which is which is really interesting from a basketball perspective. From a Houston perspective, you don't give a shit what it means for the NBA, right? Like, like I, at that point, it's like we're we're trying to do what's best for our team, and you're doing this trade to dump Eric Gordon. I still I'm still not sure if I view this as the best trade on the deal, like as one of the better trades, and I probably wouldn't do it. I don't like it for either side particularly, but I do think it's at least like, okay, this is a framework where you could understand why the Rockets would do it. And the Knicks are always star hungry. So them giving up the farm for a, a top five players, like not, you know, out of character. Right. This is like clutch sports, like getting KCP a max deal the summer before, because they have a feeling that helps warm, you know, like LeBron James camp, right? Like that that's it's, it's like very similar to that. It's like it's like doing a favor. Right. <laughs> um okay, so this next one is Portland. I have CJ McCollum, Zach Collins, Anthony Simons, Gary Trent Jr., and then two picks and two swaps. It's a 2023 and 2025 swap and then 2024 and 2026 picks. Um, I so tend to think Portland's giving up too much here. Yeah, I mean, like that's why I'm thinking about it because it's like, see, you're you're putting Dame and Harden on the same team though, and I I like that from like an offensive perspective. I think those two can actually work pretty well offensively. Defensively, it's going to be really tough. Uh, I don't know. I I probably you know say... defensively now though because they have Nurkic, they have. Derek Jones Jr. They have Robert Covington, Coco, right? Yeah. Like they could feasibly make that work. Um, I'm just wondering, like, what probably needs to be taken off, like, for them because, like, if you took Gary Trent Jr. out of this, are you still doing it if you're Houston? Yeah, probably because you're getting CJ McCollum, and I think you can you you can you can probably flip CJ again. Uh, e- even with this contract, I think you can probably flip CJ again. With his contract, uh, might be a benefit because he's playing so well, and I think his game will age well. Like having him under contract for the next four years, like that's yeah. that's well, my, my, my question is: Do the Blazers do this right? Because like, I'm not sure. Like, I, I have so many questions about that defense, but offensively, it works. So, um, I'll t- I if I were the Blazers, and I, th- so this is what we have now: is CJ Collins, Simons. Two picks and, and two swaps. And if we're you, taking out Gary Trent, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and that's also another reason why the defense might work because now you have a, someone else who holds up on defense and Gary Trent Jr. staying there. If you said to Portland that they could keep the 2023 swap or Simons, I would do this deal in a heartbeat if I'm Portland. And I don't think I would hate it at that point for Houston because you're assuming you could get more value for McCollum, I'd probably be more willing to let Portland keep Simons and go McCollum, Collins, two swaps and two unprotected picks. And look, those the swaps and picks are running from 2023 through 2026. Yeah, because at that point, you're basically doing the Sam Presti with, with, with C.J. McCollum's contract, right? You're going to keep flipping it and flipping it and flipping it and eking out as many first-round picks as you possibly can from that series of transactions. And in the right? interim, like, you have time to do it, too, because he's under yeah. contract for so long. And in the interim, like, C.J. McCollum can play next to John Wall. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Uh I, I I I don't think Houston does any of these trades thinking about what 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 the fit is next to John Wall. Like I I know we keep getting back there. I don't think Houston thinks about that that much. Like I don't know unless John Wall is like really freaking good next year, which 
I, know, maybe. I think you have to give it some thought because I'm just not sure what you get for McCollum. Like, if we're sussing out a third team, I just don't know what you necessarily get for him. Like, is, you know, are the Warriors willing to give up? Like, let's say they give Wiggins contract and then, like, James Wiseman, and then you have to do other, like, ways to make the money work. Um, I don't know if they're giving up Wiggins, Wiseman, and the mini pick for CJ McCollum. I don't know if that's something that they do. Yeah, I don't, I don't, like, I, I, I think you don't even need to make it a three-teamer. You can just trade you know McCollum later so you would do McCollum Collins two unprotected picks and two unprotected swaps I'd probably need at least one of Trent Jr. or Simons all right so we'll leave Simons in there yeah you do it um I if I'm Portland I think about it yeah if if you're Portland you don't like I'm not sure if I'm not sure about it from Portland's end it really depends on if you're confident you can construct a championship caliber team around those two guys Uh, I think you I think offensively you can defensively it's really tough but I think you know, if if you're off, you're up for it. If you if you're willing to acquire every single possible defensive play, and you already have Rocco, you already have Gary Trent. Possibly, if you're keeping, if you're giving up Simons, um, it's not a bad starting point at all. I I I'd assume that's the goal for Portland. Right? I I'd assume they want to win championship with Damian Lillard. And, and look, James freaking Harden, like he's an upgrade over McCollum because of his, oh, his and I don't know that he's worse. He's not, maybe as he ages, he'll be worse on defense than McCollum, but I think you could probably have an easier time of hiding him because you could put him on bigger players, whereas you can't do that with McCollum. Yeah. Um, I hope I'm at least making you think about these and that they're all, some of them are just too far out there, but I hope this is at least a good critical thought process. I mean, this Blazers one, I never really thought about it. This is definitely something that's out of the box and interesting. And possible because again it's not about cj mccollum it's about what what can you get from cj mccollum later you're doing the the presti right right i think i think i really think what sam presti did this offseason laid out the framework for what other gms might do in the future with that kind of a contract if you just keep flipping contract after contract and getting first round picks as long as you don't get a bad contract back in that series of transactions you can just keep going and doing it to its logical conclusion which is really fascinating. I wonder if other teams try doing that. That'll be interesting to monitor. It is a copycat league. I have two more teams for you, if you can believe it or not. <laughs> um, so the Spurs, this would be such an anti-Spurs move, not just making a trade in general, but making a trade for, I feel like Harden isn't really, he could definitely work on the Spurs, but I feel like he's not a Spurs player. Um, maybe just the I mean, way he carries himself. I'm not even trying to insult him. It just feels like Greg... Did you view LaMarcus Aldridge as a, as a Spurs player like a, a couple years ago? I mean, I don't know. What What, what is a Spurs player at this well, at least, point, right? I feel like they're low profile, and James Harden is just the opposite. Right, possibly, yeah. So, uh, so this would be the anti-Spurs move, but I actually don't hate this deal for Houston. It's the Spurs would trade DeMar, who's expiring, and... You could view him as like what you want. If for some reason Houston's trying to remain competitive this year, or they think they could flip him for a worse contract because he's making twenty-seven million, and if a team wants to get off some other money, maybe they're willing to get an asset back. Like that's how I think that's what you view out of Demar Derozan is. Hey, he's coming off the books, and um, we can either use him to, to like take back money that's attached to assets, or we just let him come off the books because I don't think he's he's still good, but I don't think he's root like all of a sudden pushing you to the playoffs. So it'd be Derozan, Dejounte Murray. Derek White, Lonnie Walker, Keldon Johnson, a 2023 swap, a 2024 first-round pick, a 2025 swap, and a 2026 first-round pick. I don't think either team does this trade. The Spurs just aren't going to do it. Um, You wouldn't, if you're Houston, you wouldn't do it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just like, 
first of all, like I don't think they can do this because I don't think like James Harden wants to go to the Spurs, right? Like I like I like because I don't think they're a contender like, even if they acquire him. Like I think they'd be a very good team because James Harden has that capability. I, I mean, but. you would have Lamarcus Aldridge, James Harden, Rudy Gay, Patty Mills. You would actually still have Devin Vassell in this scenario. Um, Jakob Pertle. I don't think that's a championship contender. Fair enough. Uh, I don't think that was the. I just wanted to include as many teams as possible. That's. I don't necessarily love it for either team, either. Um, but you know, I like Dejounte by the way, and he's under contract for four years, yeah. sixty-four million. Derek White, you have to pay soon, but he's still really good. You're getting two other. Pro- it, it actually. So from my perspective, and I had Tucker going to the Spurs here to make the money work. Um, what you could theoretically do is. If Houston, for some reason, wanted LaMarcus over DeMar, they could do that. Um, so that's something to consider. I do think that the the Spurs in this scenario are probably giving up a touch too much. And if the Rockets still aren't interested in how it's built, um, then there's just no way to make this work. Because I think that the Spurs, like one of those first round assets, I think needs to come back. Yeah, I like I I just think for the reason Houston doesn't do this trade is because there are just better trades out there that we've already discussed. Yeah, and I'm just curious. Look, I feel like the value Houston gets for Harden could theoretically wind up being less than what we're giving up here. It's just Harden's like you don't necessarily see a top three player in his prime traded like this. Like it just doesn't like it didn't ever happen with LeBron. It never happened with AD. They left in free agency, and so like you never got an Anthony Davis wasn't you know. Anthony Davis was close to this level, but like Harden, Anthony Davis isn't 50 wins on his own. Harden is. And that's what makes this so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like, he's historically great. Like, like, like I always, I've been telling Rockets fans this for like the past three years. Like, yeah, he has his warts, right? But appreciate what you're watching. Like just understand how good he is in the context of NBA history. Like just like from an offensive perspective, one of the greatest players of all time, and as a total package, pro- probably one of the 30 greatest players of all time, right? Like, I just think he's so good. He's 31 years old, two years remaining on his deal. And you can't you can't trade that guy for a bag of chips. You just can't. <laughs> no. Uh, if they hold on to him too long, like this stretches out into next season and where he's viewed as an expiring contract, like that's going to be a fundamental failure on their Ramona Shelburne said it like like perfect on the jump. Like, if you mess this up, it's a franchise crippling trade because you don't have the opportunity to to load up on assets like this every day, right? Even teams that are trying to rebuild, they just they don't get that head start like this, right? Because normally teams that are trying to rebuild are coming off a window in which their stars are aging. Harden is not aging enough to where like you can still get plenty of value back, and and I think I think you can't mess that up. Otherwise, you're just, you're just gonna kick yourself in the foot about it forever like, like think think about the spurs right like 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 they did not squeeze as much value as they possibly could for you know no that was Kawhi. one of the worst trades ever i think just the, the, yeah. cal- the caliber of player Kawhi is and what and they it could- crippled them it yeah, crippled them yeah they were going to be dealing with the fallout from that they're still dealing with the fallout i don't know how long it lasts they're lucky that they have some promising players in place but it's like damar and Jakob purtle and kelton johnson for Kawhi. And, it's not it and, it's and they it. gave up Danny Green. Yeah, like, that's the other thing. It would have been harder to make the deal work because of the money, but like, then something else needs to, like, if, if you're getting to that point where Danny Green is a literal throw-in, you've done something wrong. Come on, RC. Come on. Like, <laughs> you you, you got to step it up here. Like, like they, that, that's, they pandered too much to Popovich's timeline. I think that's what it was. Like, they wanted to remain in playoff contention, and that was a mistake. You can't 
if you don't all have another top five play, like it's, it's a warrior situation where, okay, they knew Kevin Durant was leaving. Essentially. They had these other stars in place. You didn't have any one of the caliber of Steph still there after Kawhi left. You didn't even have any one of the caliber of like Pete Draymond at that point. I like LaMarcus Aldridge, but Pete Draymond was better. You could even say Pete Clay is better than LaMarcus Aldridge. He's close, but you definitely didn't have any one of Steph's caliber. So that's just, uh, I they were building a team for 1992 <laughs> and it, it, it was just a, a horrible decision all around. Like I, I, Kawhi had a ton of leverage and he was making it really ugly with the, with the stuff he was doing with his uncle. But it's just, you have to, you have to hold out for a better deal than that. I'm sorry. Like I, the, the Spurs, I realize they're a really no BS culture and they, they don't, they may not have the stomach to, you know, have a cantankerous superstar around the locker room, but you you have to hold out for a little bit better than that. Like I'm, I'm sorry, it's just, I, and I think I think they limited themselves because that, as you as you said, they were looking for win now trades, and they should not have done that. No, and if they wanted to do it despite the Lakers, like that was another failure on their part as well. This is the last team, and it, it would have to be done mid season when Fred Van Fleet's trade restriction is lifted, and so it's going to be the Raptors. It is Harden for Fred Van Fleet, Norman Powell, OG Ananobi, who I just want to point out is ridiculously good. I just want, he might be the best on-ball wing defender in the NBA right now, aside from like an engaged Kawhi Leonard. I'm just saying it's possible. And then a 2023 first, 2020, um, sorry, 2023 first round swap, a 2024 first round pick, 2025 swap, and a 2026 first round pick. So again, the two picks and two swaps um, setups. I like how you're having to edit this on the fly because you found that one mistake. Um, no, it, 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 it's you, hang up, Toronto. Like, do not do this trade. Uh, well, actually, I'm, I don't look. I, James Harden, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam, Matt yeah, Thomas like, is still it's there. Such a, it's such a massive haul, man. Like that's like if Houston gets this package back, we are praising them for the next like two weeks. So you're looking at it as they would tr- like, yeah. Fred VanVleet's young enough, so like, could you remove the 2025 swap or the 2023 swap and still get yes. this done? Yes, absolutely. You're, you're giving up Adenobi Powell and these picks. Like it's, it's, it's a no brainer. Could you remove one of the actual first round picks? So are you protecting these picks? Cause I think you have to, if you're 2026, they probably haggle over protections. Um, you just deleted 2026, I believe, unless I'm mistaken. No, no, no I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't touch the. Oh, I don't know what happened there then. So, let's... oh no, I know. Oh, you're saying did I did I rhetorically delete the pick? Well, I'm just. So what is so? All right. So the baseline package here is Powell, Van Fleet, and OG. In in part because you need to make the money work, and OG has to be included anyway. So Powell's going with Van Fleet and OG. What what are the picks that? You do this trade if you can heavily protect these first round picks. That's what I would say for Toronto. I like, well, 2024 has to be unprotected. And then 2026, okay. let's say it's top, let's say top seven. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So let's say top seven on that. And then do both of the swaps need to be there in 2023 and 2025? Yeah. Um, I don't know if they both have to be there. I think, I think, I think you can get rid of the 2023 swap. Let's and, do it. and you could probably, yeah, that's probably enough. I honestly. would again, you have to know that Harden is staying. Like, this can't be, we're going to play it out for two years in a Kawhi situation. You've won your title. Like, you can't handcuff your franchise this much um, because you have Pascal Siakam, who's really good now. 
But James Harden and Pascal Siakam and, you know, Kyle Lowry's aging, but you bring him back on a cheaper deal after next year, he works with Lowry James Harden. Lowry and Harden, such a great fit. Yeah. It, it's And look, you still have Malachi Flynn. People like that draft pick. Um, Terrence Davis yeah. is a, seems like he might be a terrible human being, so I'm just not going to consider him. Matt Thomas, though, is good. Um, I really like Chris Boucher. You have Aaron Baines. I think that team is a contender immediately. And while you've taken yourself out of the Giannis sweepstakes, uh, you still have the potential to like do other stuff. Like your books are still, they're, they're not, they're not clean, but like your guaranteed contracts after this season, if you make this trade are Baines, I think stretched into there. Or did he only get a one year deal? Uh, he's a player. Oh no, he's a team option. So your guaranteed contracts after doing this are Siakam and that's Malachi Flynn and James Harden. So, you know, yeah, I'm I, I'm going to give you your props. I think we legitimately found a, a a real third wild card team here in in Toronto. Like I I really do. I like this trade a lot for both teams. The, I will say more... you have like 74, 75 million committed to Siakam and Harden and then Malachi Flynn, so like your books are basically clean plus your first round pick. So like 80 million dollars of your payroll is gone to like four players and then I mean you're going to keep. There's other ones you're going to keep like um, they should be keeping based off how he's playing Matt Thomas. So you're not going to have like real cap space. So you're out of the Giannis you have your exceptions though, right? You, you, oh yeah. And you'll still actually, you, you would still have the non-tax mid level exception. Right? Like yeah. you could keep be like, Hey, we'll keep Baines. We'll keep Boucher. Um, and you would still have your non-tax player mid level. And you can get someone really solid to surround that core with. Yeah. I, I love this trade. Like for, from both ends, because I don't think you, I don't think Houston is getting robbed here either. They're getting Fred Van Vliet, OG Ananobi, Norman Powell, and these picks. They're protected picks, but you're getting good you're getting well, you're, good assets. What? Yeah, I mean 2024 unprotected. Um, we'll say the swap in 2025 is unprotected as well. Like maybe you give yourself top one protection there, like just yeah. to safeguard and it. Besides the kind of dude that just goes for it. Like we know that now. So I could really like I I really think like I, this is a trade we need to talk about more and more. As the hardened sweepstakes gets closer to a, to a finale, because th- this makes a lot of sense to me. I really uh, I like this trade a lot for both teams. I kind of do as well. Look, Siakam and Harden feel like they make a lot of sense together. I mean, like maybe you don't want to take the ball out of Siakam's hands that much, but Toronto runs the type of offense where maybe they get Harden moving off the ball more. He makes so much sense next to Kyle Lowry. Like now it's you know Kyle Lowry. Yeah, he's getting older, but after this year, he's probably still going to be relatively cheap. It just, I, I think I wasn't as high on it before you talked me into it. So it's funny that I wrote down the trade and you're the one that's selling me on it. Yeah, it's because when you add in the protections, it makes a lot more sense. And you take off one of, the, one of those swaps, right? Because you're, you're giving up so many assets up front that you can afford to take away one of those swaps. And you can afford to protect those picks. And I don't think Houston gets that upset about it because they're getting such good assets. Like you're going to flip Fred Van Vliet and Norman Powell and OG Ananobi for really good picks. And I, I like that trade a lot. Like, look, listen, like Houston got two first round picks back for Rocco. And one of those picks was a, was a 16 pick. So like they can legitimately get good picks back for Ananobi. And if you are Toronto, like I know Van Fleet is really good, but there's a chance that he's like a, like he's, he's either market level paid or a slight overpay. Um, I don't think any players who get their money are technically overpaid. I will never criticize the players for getting their money. It would be from a team standpoint that they made the wrong call. You've safeguarded yourself against disaster, I would say, in every scenario except 2024. Like, if you're just for some reason really bad and that pick is unprotected, um, 
like, but that's it. Like that's, I mean, I guess losing OG is a huge opportunity cost, but are you willing to give up if you have Harden for two years and you had to give up OG for it and he ends up on like an expensive contract with Houston? I don't think that that's a terrible opportunity cost, even though it stings. And since we're putting top one protection on the 2025 swap, you've safeguarded and the top seven protection on 2026 pick, you're, you are inoculated against true disaster. Like it could still end up, you know, stinging you. What if you send like a top 10 pick to Houston in 2026? You don't want to do that, but there's no like real asset catastrophe here if you aren't able to keep Harden, which again, I, if I'm Toronto, I don't make this deal without Intel that Harden is planning on. Like this can't be a Kawhi situation to me. Like you have your title already. If he's going to just leave in two years, then you, you, you don't do this. And I don't think Houston has to bottom out necessarily. I think they can do the what, what the Thunder did last year. They can probably make the playoffs with like John Wall, uh, Fred Van Vliet, Norman Powell, OG. Who makes sense together, Christian by Wood. the way. I know we said we weren't going to talk about the Wall, whoever fit, but Van Vliet and Wall make sense together. Yeah, and, and like like this core in general, it's like you want to give it one run just for fun. Like, it's like just give your give your fan base a year of fun before you bottom out, right? And like I, I think it's it, it value wise, it makes sense. Like it's still like a seventy. Like any of these trades where you don't get like a bona fide star prospect, you're still gonna lose the trade, right? Like to be clear, you're trading one of the thirty thirty greatest players of all time. You're still gonna lose, but it's it's I think it's fair value, and I'd probably you know I don't I don't know if you want to rank these trades right now. I have this as my second or third best trade on the, on the board right now for Houston. I think like, what we I think what we've done is we've expanded the pool to where you can talk yourselves into hey this makes sense for both teams. There's the Nets, the Sixers, the Warriors trade, and this the Raptors trade. I don't I know the Celtics trade was kind of sitting there. I'm just I get really uneasy about it for Boston. Like I, just, there's just something about it. But if you wanted to throw them in there, then we've expanded it to to five teams. I think um, I did like the Pelicans all asset one. But that's just not, I don't think it's a realistic trade for the um, Pelicans to make. Oh, and the Blazers one was another one I liked. So yeah, I, I, I think, think we found like five teams. Like, let's say, what was it? Raptors, Blazers, Sixers, um, Nets, I mean, I, and then Warriors. Can I, can I just go through my rankings here? So oh, yeah. I'll I ha- stop interrupting I ha- you. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're good. Like, so I have the Sixers straight up as the best trade partner for Houston. And I think it makes sense from both sides. Uh, the second best trade partner from Houston might be Toronto. Like, like I legitimately love this Toronto offer so much. Um, and probably third, I guess, I guess you have to put like, so I don't think they're getting Ingram back straight up. Yeah. That one's just, I was, yeah, that one's not happening. I don't think either new Orleans scenario is happening to be honest. Like that's just not that any of these would happen. I think new Orleans is probably a hard no on both fronts. So I, at that point, I probably like the Warriors, and then I after, after that I put the Nets. So I like those are like the four teams that I can realistically see trading for Harden. Uh, Celtics, I agree with you. I don't think they do it, but I think if I were them, I would entertain it because I just yes. I love the idea of pairing Harden with Tatum. Um, I think we have four legitimate teams here. Like, I even think the Blazers won. I don't know how you felt about that one, but CJ Collins, Simons, two picks and two swaps. Yeah, yeah, it, it's the the problem you get with that trade is I think I like these other trades for Houston better. No, I like them better, but I think this would I would loop it, it makes in. Sense. Yeah, and the two top ones though are both the Philly scenarios. I think it's Embiid and Simmons, and so that's one and two. And I agree with you, Raptors would be three. I'd have Warriors four. I think I like I I probably have Nets five, Blazers six, just because the Nets picks are stretching to twenty twenty seven. 
as a swap. Yeah. So I think what we're finding with the Nets is it's it's such a poo poo platter. Uh, like like again, all, the only reason we're talking about them, we would not be talking about them if James Harden didn't ask for, to be traded to them. Like I mean, even before we weren't talking about the Nets as like a superstar trade away. Like because they didn't have superstar assets. Like we were talking about Karis Levert for like another good role player, right? Like we like like right. I mean, talking- I would even argue that like the Nets might be better off like using Dinwiddie and something to get Aaron Gordon from Orlando. Like I might make more sense for them then because I don't know that this trade makes that much sense for Houston. It's, it's a poo poo platter, but they could turn Dinwiddie Allen and Levert into more picks. It's just more legwork on their end. But for Brooklyn, it's like, I don't know. I guess Harden raises your ceiling, but the defense is so questionable. I think I'd rather keep Levert and my picks and try and get like an Aaron Gordon type of player or maybe if you really want another shot create like Zach Levine has to come substantially cheaper than uh Harden although I think there's a chance that Levert the difference between Levert Oladipo or Zach Levine like unless Oladipo returns to 2017 Oladipo like I just think it's not appreciable enough so if I'm Brooklyn I'd be more interested in a smaller swing than going after Harden but that's just me yeah the the hilarious version of this Nets trade is if they throw in Kyrie right like, because that that makes a lot more sense for them team wise. Like, as, as just as a team, like Harden and Durant and all these other assets, right? Like, if you get to keep, um, if you get to keep uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, and um, and, and that core together, along with Durant and Harden, just makes much more sense. I'm not sure if Durant's going to be a fan of that because he wanted to play with Kyrie. And I'm not sure. Kyrie is uh, definitely not going to be a fan of that. And I think what you risk there if you're Houston is like, what if he just bounces in two years? Well, I'm not sure if I'm, I'm not even talking about it for Houston. I'm talking about strictly from the Nets end. If I, if personalities like weren't, they didn't play a part of this at all. I'd be more interested in that other package. Right. Oh, and for I'd, sure. I'd, I'd, I'd be more interested in flipping Kyrie than these other well, players. For Houston though, it's like, what happens there is it's basically Kyrie and you're not getting Levert or Dinwiddie. Yeah, they're probably willing to give up Allen, but how many picks are they giving up along with Kyrie? I don't think they're giving up that many picks. Really? You don't, you don't think so? They're not giving up the, the four picks, the two first and two swaps that we put in. There's no way that happens. Yeah, probably. I think I, I think I think the reason you put these, these swaps in is because these assets aren't that, aren't that good. But I think I think you throw in Kyrie in a situation where like, like the, like you really want Harden and Sixers, the Sixers are putting in one of their top guys. Well, yeah. Right? Look, let's even just say Kyrie's open. Like maybe he wants to kind of run the show by himself or be the best player on his team again, even though Wall's still kind of sitting there. I I just don't. What do you accept if you're Houston? Like because it becomes a an Embiid Simmons situation where you're getting back someone who's so good already. I don't know how much their team is going to attach to him to get James Harden back. Like, I, I'm just curious what you think. Like, it would be Kyrie and what for James Harden? It, it'd have to be picks. But how I mean, many like, is my point? Uh, is it bad that I I think if they keep the same amount of picks in there, I don't think it's a bad trade for the Nets. Like, that, that that's how I would, down I am with this. With, that, that's how negative I am on this. I mean, core. it comes down to whether they win a championship or not, if it's bad. But I would say if you're giving up Pete Kyrie's a top 15 player and then four first-round picks... Uh, I would call that a questionable trade. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I I just don't like the core offensively. Of like, I, I think there's a lot of redundancy there, right? If you trade for Kyrie Harden, I mean, if you have Kyrie Durant and Harden together, it's just it, it'll work. 
like probably because those stars want to make it work, and that's just a, a lot of talent. You got to you got you got to bank on it. I don't know. I, I think uh, you're maybe looking at Kyrie. I, pr- I probably wouldn't do it from Houston if I'm not getting picks back, honestly, because I I think I, you I, might be able to get Kyrie, Allen, and two like a pick and a swap. I think that's probably the ceiling on if you're getting Kyrie back. And look, I'm not even sure how realistic that is. I mean, that's basically the the Embiid Simmons trade, but you're and replacing I like the Embiid Simmons trade better probably. Well, you do. You like it better, but you're also getting. Um, Mike, you're getting Jared Allen instead of Mike Scott, who's better than Mike Scott, and you can get a, a more distant first, I would think, from the Nets still in that scenario than you can from Philly. Yeah, I mean, I want to see a team with Simmons and shooters really badly. Like, just just by himself on an island, shooters, spread, pick and roll. Like, let, let's see how good he can be. Like, I mean, Philly's second units can look a lot like that. I feel like right. Like, and if if that if that second unit is like balls to the wall, like just killing it, like they have a net rating of like plus 25 or something like that's when if you're a Houston's like yeah we can confidently build a team around Ben Simmons right because that's basically betting on like someone like James Harden right like that's what Houston did with James Harden like they looked at what Harden was doing with those second units in in Oklahoma City and thought yeah like that's that's a guy we can build around basically that's a guy that's being underutilized because there's redundancies there and if I'm if I'm if I'm Houston, like I really want to see, I just want to see how it looks. I like that better than Kyrie and uh, and John Wall and Kristen Wood. Like that might still be a good team. It's probably not a championship contender, and I think Ben Simmons has that ceiling enough to where it's like, yeah, you go for Simmons over that. Well, look, Salman, I didn't expect to go almost two hours with you, and the fact that there are two other team deep dives to come after yours on this podcast. Um, timestamps are going to be important for people. I encourage you to hop around, but this was great. I think we were so much more thorough. I probably came up with too many deals, but we went into the weeds on all of them. We ended up because we talked about Denver, two different scenarios. We came up with 16 different James Harden trades, maybe 17. We were talking about Kyrie framework, um, 15, 14 different teams involved. Uh, if you guys are not following Solomon on, on Twitter, you should remedy that post haste. As I always say, he covers the Houston Rockets for ESPN 97.5. He is the host of the At Red Nation Hoops podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Salman Ali NBA, at S A L M A N A L I N B A. Salman, I think, as you know, at this point, I'm going to bother you again eventually, probably to talk about the actual James Harden trade that happened. But it really is always a joy to, to talk to you. And thank you for giving us so much of your time. Yeah, this was fun. I I just want for the Rockets for like five minutes. Just be less interesting. Like just like just be like a normal team. Like just for like give me two months of you operating like a normal team. Just because I got just so I won't get like requests from like Canadian radio stations like at eight a.m. in the morning. Like I, that'd be great. Look, that'd be great. I, Canadian radio stations they're so friendly though. They are. They they're very nice. They're very nice. But it's it, I just I just want to I just want to have like a peaceful two months. Here's the give problem. Me, the quickest way to get a peaceful two months would be for them to trade James Harden quickly and then deal with the fallout from there. Because if James Harden's on Houston and we openly know he wants out, like that's not going to be a slow two months. <laughs> you're right. You're probably right. <laughs>